Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is Plan and Slan, episode pound sign 35 dash Plan and Slan. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. It is going to be a fun one. Um, it sure I, is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We're trying something new tonight. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll get into that though in a little bit. First, tonight we'll be talking about what we've been playing, hobbying, purchasing, kickstarting, reading, you know, our usual. Two hours of banter and then 15 minutes of real hard-hitting content. Then we will actually, we talked about this last time, we're going to do an overview in, uh, of the Ethereum role-playing game from Anvil 8 Games. Well, we're not really going to do it. Right. We have two very special guests that we, we will be interviewing tonight uh, to, to actually do the overview of the game. And that is the designers, Paul DK and Aaron Darland from Anvil 8 Games. And... Uh, that will be a fun conversation. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. If you don't enjoy it, I will give you your money back via PayPal. <laughs> and then in lieu of our Player Slayer review, uh, we are going to do a quick preview of what we're going to be getting into at Gen Con uh, here in only a couple weeks. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll play it or slay it. Uh, Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, and foreshadowing, I'll slay it. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about Midwest Meltdown coming up as well. So that will be the show. It's gonna it's gonna kick right off with um, you know the importance of hydration. Mm-hmm. It is a heat index of about a hundred degrees today, uh, hot and humid here. It's two days of the year that we actually feel like we have a real summer. Um, so hydration is incredibly important, not only because of the weather, but when you're playing and slaying. It is equally important to stay hydrated. So, Josh, what are you drinking tonight? Well, Tyson, you brought over uh, Cigar City Brewing from Tampa, Florida, after sesh. It is an ale brewed with orange, lime, and salt. And it's very good and smells delicious. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try one. Thank you. Troy, how about you? What are you drinking? Why are you drinking? I'm drinking this thing I discovered when I was in Door County over 4th July. America AF. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really called that? It's America AF. Yeah. Look, and it's got the... It looks, well, it looks like... I mean, the label... Okay, this uh, is Carbon 4 from Madison, Wisconsin. Of course uh-huh. it is. Uh, and it looks like the label was done on a, a somebody's home printer. And uh-huh. then this slapped on here. Uh, but it's a watermelon Berliner Kolsch beer. And it's really... You, I saw that and I'm like... I don't know. It's a lot of things going on. It was on. the only thing on, but it was the only non-like Miller Lite beer that was in this little tiny um, store on the beach in Door County. And I'm like, I'll try it. And it's delicious. It's as a summer hot day. Uh-huh. It's delicious. It's amazing. Awesome. Um, yeah. So 
uh, America AF. Uh, who knows if how many of these things actually made? Because yeah, like I said, it does look like they just well, like carbon carbon four is a, a decent setup now. They mm-hmm. took over the old. Um, who are the ones in Madison that we Ailes Island? Island. Yeah, man, my brain. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, they took over the old facility when Ailes Island moved into their new one by the airport. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the Carbon Four does a lot of they do a lot of really really cool, funny. They have some really funny labels and funny beers. What too, does the A and the F stand for? Um, you're asking questions I can't answer here. Ar- archery. I don't know. It's field. got like uh, I think President Washington. Mm-hmm. Jefferson on there. He is carrying an so, assault rifle, though. So AF is is what the kids refer to now when things are lit. AF ah. and like other things. <laughs> AF. It's um, it's short for you know as for, for things yeah. as f bomb. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense because yeah, he does. It's it's like Washington with an assault rifle. Doesn't get more American than yeah. Washington assault rifle, and it's and like a rotary, like a, a serious thing, and a bald eagle, of course, of course. Since there, otherwise, so. how do, how are you, America AF? Yeah, right. All right. So, should we let Paul talk? Yeah, we should. Paul is actually Paul, here in studio. Well, we record our intro. Paul yeah. BK. We can. He is drinking something. I mean, it may not be alcohol, but he's at least drinking something. I'm drinking Sprecher root beer. Hi, Paul. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to have you sitting right here. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'll make yeah. sure Josh tries to only touch you three times. They made me sit on well, the other side record. of the table. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> right, and yeah. we and we are kind of burying the lead on the hydration thing, though. So, Ty, what is this large brown thing in front of us? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, roughly, um, my goodness, 15 months ago, handful. Yep. Um, I won a best sportsmanship award at uh, Bruce City Brawl, and I got this growler. And the the running joke was we would record an episode where I drink an entire growler full of beer. Well, then uh, Andrew, Mister Mister Mephiston, who won uh, this year's best sportsman, did a Twitch stream where he drank a growler of Guinness, and the challenge was issued where we will be playing each other at Midwest Meltdown. So I couldn't mm-hmm. let it get to Meltdown without answering the challenge to record our show while I drink a growler. But I decided to fill it with more than beer. He went big time. I, uh, at Bruce City, Jacob Berry and I, with the help of David Griffin and others, discovered a new drink that we referred to as the Tamara, which was the bartender's name there. And it was grind espresso rum and club soda with a little bit of orange. And uh, so I filled most of the bottle of grind into the growler with some ice and 32 ounces of club soda. And um, we're going to see what happens. And I'm going to drink the uh, growler full of Tamara. Uh, I didn't see you put any orange in that. Um, I squeezed some orange slices into a glass, and then I I poured that in because I couldn't fit orange slices into the growler. Because that would be difficult mm-hmm. to clean up later. Did the ice fit? I so I put it in one at a time and popped it down. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to drink a whole growler full of a cocktail, and we'll see what happens by the end of the show. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm already slightly buzzed from just yeah. the 15 minutes <laughs> pre-recording. Um, I think the real funny thing will be nobody will notice. that's probably accurate um all right so yeah let's uh let's get into what we've been playing 
I just want to interject like a, a quick note. We uh, we started this, and I lied to you all. We didn't start talking about what we're playing, and I think it's only appropriate. I level set that we then did the segment with Paul and Aaron about Ethereum, the role playing game, and then came back. I filled up the growler a little more. It's getting close <laughs> to to the end, but um, regardless, you are now catching me a little bit more. Uh, intoxicated than I was when we set out on this this adventure, and that's the only reason it's relevant. It's yeah, because you're more mm-hmm. drunk yeah. now. And right. and I just want everyone to be aware that you know it didn't happen instantaneous. In a, in a, in a flash. <laughs> One heck of a drink, like he took yeah. two sips. Yeah, um, he's so, got tolerance, people. What have we been playing, guys? Troy's been playing something he can't talk about. <sighs> what Troy's time story? Time are the story. worst. Time stories. I actually have the name. I have the name of the. Uh, I have the name of the. Th- we played Brotherhood of the Coast, which is number eight. There is only number nine left. There's only one left in the first what, arc. What can you tell us about Brotherhood of the Coast? I can, all I can tell you is we failed tremendously, which is awesome. Like, not like we like we finished it, and we failed. But like there wasn't like so. I it's what's really cool. And I keep telling you guys this, and it makes no sense. But as you play more, there's more of a meta story. Across, it arcs across all these, which has been really cool to see across as we played each of these. Um, and so we're really kind of excited to see where 9 kind of takes you. But what was interesting is we played a lot of the meta story. And while that did is that, like, what was cool is the designers foresee that some people who've been playing along might try and play a meta type story and we got to an ending that was an epic failure which was really really cool so um but so i'm Brother, just saying brotherhood of the coast was about a it, game company in seattle yeah yeah yep okay it, that's, <laughs> or that's all it, i can say i'm was not it about pirates say, oh my god Pirate that's such a spoiler that's such a spoiler treasures on deserted islands that's such a spoiler it's desert blunderbusses yeah. cutlasses it's it may be happening in areas something like that yes yeah, so yeah, spoil your spoiler free reviews yeah. but there, it's fun that's something if you're not playing time stories keep playing now i'm really glad you gave the disclaimer at the beginning <laughs> so i'm not just combative yeah. Yeah. Wow, that tiger was really an asshole tonight <laughs> paul how about you any uh, any gaming any any fun activities related to gaming uh related to gaming my my little kid my youngest is off at camp and he told me to level up his fallout 76 character for him while he was away so I've been working on that. Nice. <laughs> it's hard, you know. He's got a different spec than I do. I'm not usually not usually a melee guy. You haven't lost anything, right? No. You have, okay. No. You've advanced his character. Oh, definitely. Some, okay. He's a couple levels higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That'll play because you don't want to do the dad move where you make things worse. Like, <laughs> Here, um, son. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Look what I've done. I sold everything and I have a bag of beans for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I've been doing some digital uh, gaming as well. Um, a few weeks back, PlayStation ran a summer sale, and uh, NBA 2K19, the basketball season, had just ended. It was two dollars and ninety nine cents. So now um, my six foot eleven power forward slash center Ty Trebansky is uh, number one in All Star voting at the midpoint of the season, playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Leading the league in points per game and rebounds per game, so I'm crushing it. Uh, playing a lot of 2K19, though. <laughs> Probably an unhealthy amount. I've been playing a little Magic the Gathering Arena. Just kind of getting my daily grind in. Having fun with that. So. I love right. that game, but I suck. 
<laughs> I'm ready for a matchup. I haven't played since the new card set because they reset again. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. do this again. So it's I a, stopped. It's a grind, yeah. But when you're ready, I'm ready. All right, we'll do it. I'm ready. I'm re- ready. You ready? That's the seven World Series of playing the Slam Show. Nice. You hear that? Yeah, Was that's the, the growler clinking. He was like <laughs> squeezing the ice into Growler. It was really funny. All right. Now, is this our sponsored segment? Well, first, I want to talk about the, the games of Warcry that oh, I've been playing. Oh, no, yeah. you haven't. You haven't even <laughs> it's seen It's not it. even released yet. <laughs> I watched the Becca Scott's well, How to Play video three good. times. Everyone has, I think. Three times? No. I once. played three games. Um, you watched it virtually? Virtually, <laughs> virtually with played Becca three Scott. games. And, and also, what I hope is during post, you can add a Warcry count. Just a little like ding or a little like noise. Because now I'm going to try to say Warcry at least 37 times in tonight's episode. Wow. Ty's trying to build some hype. He's giving around. me homework. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to build this hype around Warcry because we were. You guys, we're, we're, we're not. It. We're not. No, I'm just going to be a fast follower. I'm the like, greatest thing to come from Games Workshop. Oh, I, Land, Landmine, I agree with it. Landmine Mini Stomp has declared it the greatest box set mm-hmm. Games Workshop has mm-hmm. released. And and I'm not. And I I agree. I think it's really cool. I'm just like. I'm like three games behind, still in shrink, sitting on my shelf. Like, so I don't. You're buying the wrong games. That's all there is to it. (laughs) This is the AOS skirmish we were promised that we deserve, and we're now getting it. Five years, and and I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be a fast follower. Troy hates it because there's no Sylvaneth Warband. All right. Well, well, yet. Can we just say yet? Yet. Yet. Right. So you know that. All right. So So enough about Warcry. Hopefully uh, by our next episode, we will have some games of Warcry (laughs) because I'll have brought everybody under the the wing of the uh, BOD East Warcry League. Um, All right. I guess we'll do this. D&D. We play it. But isn't this is a sponsored segment now? Yeah, you got to be excited. We're going to have theme music. We're going right. to have you're some drinking, kind of. You're drinking the growler. Tonight's growler challenge D&D recap brought to you by Mr. Mephiston at Mr. Meph. Underscore Meph? Underscore Meph. Underscore Meph. On Twitter. Andrew, this is for you. On D&D, here's what we've been doing. What have we been doing, guys? We you play. Oh, I didn't, I you're gonna keep going. We <laughs> didn't fight a beholder. Yeah, we chicken, or, we chicken uh, out. Uh, um, air quotes beholder. We don't know. Well, we kind of know. We don't know that a it's big, a beholder. A There's big floating cape. A big floating cape. We really should have fought that. I wanted to fight yeah, that so. Bad. I know, but I did too. But I, w- I also knew we were going to be like. I, we were not in any shape to really fight it. We yeah. were kind of half dead and. Yeah, and yeah. we and I have no ranged weapon, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, so and then we, it would have floated up, and we would have stand there. It would have been like so. Pew, pew. So that that encounter yeah. um, is clearly proven to me one thing that you guys don't care about balance, and I'm I'm going to make you suffer and pay for it. <laughs> balance? What do you mean by balance? You like, guys have gone so heavy on the melee damage and like focused on brute force. I'm about I'm about to. You're going to show us the, the uh, error of our ways. Yeah, I've been playing the same character the whole time. You know how many detect Humble magic. Sp- you know how many detect magic spells have been cast in the entire campaign? Zero. Zero. You know how many dispel magics have been cast the entire campaign? Zero. Well, we. I don't think anybody actually has dispel magic. Oh, Anders, oh, did. Wait, Anders oh, yeah. did. But oh, Tom's Anders. not really here. But he is here. Yeah. But we won't know. The Tom, Tom's voyeur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So all I'm saying is. Shit's about to get real. Oh boy. Yep. 
You're in level four, the Tomb of mm-hmm. Annihilation. You've been plodding along, making it mm-hmm. through, finding trickster deities, getting magic items. But here is where it gets down to, what's the term? Brass tacks? Mm-hmm. It is. Yep. Yeah. And and I'm I'm going to not hold back. Bryce accused me a couple sessions ago of pulling punches. What you, the hell, you do, Bryce? You do, my friend. I do. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. I do. No, you do. That's part of the... Uh, Part of the experience. No, so so no more Easy punches mode. will be pulled. The gloves are off. It is now John Claude Van Damme Bloodsport yeah. time. Wow. Yeah. So so I am possessed. Tom asked if he can play two characters. <laughs> he is already on his second character. So I don't know what that means. Like yeah, we, simultaneously? We, simultaneously. I mean, this is Paul's it, fourth, yeah. th- third character? Shut up, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm saying, like, how are you pulling punches? Yeah, like, I, I don't know that we're, the well, punches are being pulled to be fair, Paul has sacrificed uh, That's true. He has done one of his characters. Things. And the other was, you know, I was like, I, I kind of want the Frost Giants to, to kill him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but you guys are making progress. You're you're going. You continue the last two yeah. levels to go in back doors to the next level down, so you yeah. don't get the warning messages that give hints. <laughs> yeah, which the, so it's hard mode. Like it's like hard mode. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. It's it's going to get really interesting um, and bloody. And if you go back and fight the beholder, I like the I like the. Um, you know, sacrifice via necklace of cursed fireballs. Mm-hmm. Somebody runs in, puts it on, bam, dead beholder. I'm all over that. Character four. That would be, yeah. <laughs> <that'd> be eight <laughs> times oh. eight, 48 d6 damage. Yeah. 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 Magic resists that. That would be, be a fun one. That's a lot. And how many Whoa. How many possessed characters we have now? We have, am I the I third? Think the majority, I think. No, fourth? I think. Fourth. Fourth. Yeah. Because it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. The barbarian is not. Yeah. So we're gonna end uh, cool and I think Ross isn't either. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I think you only have um two two, more. two mm-hmm. left potentially. Yeah. No, Russ Russ, Russ is, is possessed. Yeah, is, is he? he? Oh invisible, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Cool. That's good. So that was kind of scatterbrained, but a lot going on. Tomb of <laughs> Annihilation. Uh, we're getting down. We're about halfway through the fourth level of the Tomb of Annihilation. Um, you guys are getting very close to a level up. Um, had you not dodged the beholder, you probably would have um, been dead. Would have leveled up oh. and and or died. <laughs> uh, but that is tonight's Growler Challenge, Dungeons and Dragons Challenge, brought to you by Mister Mephiston at Mister underscore Meph on Twitter. Andrew, thank you for listening. Booyah! It's my fake radio voice. How'd that work? It's good. good. So you have a radio voice. Isn't it a real radio voice? Like how? How is it fake? We're almost. We're almost on the radio. This is my radio voice, Troy. Yeah. (laughs) This is the this is the make love to you voice that Tyler Emerson talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty excited to see Tyler at NashCon here in in about a month. Give him a big hug and say, "What do you think about my voice, Tyler?" (laughs) Hobby. I think we're on hobby. Hobby. Oh wow. I've been making a hobby of making it awkward. Um, somebody's been doing Project Blackstone. Yep. So the slaves in my basement, or better known as 3D printers, um, have been cranking out all the 3D terrain for Blackstone Fortress game. So that's my 
goal is I don't want to just play. I'm in my, I've gotten, what does that mean? I'm, I don't want to play on little card anymore. I'm like, I have to have like a 3d printing he's big time. I'm right. I don't know what that bougie. Yeah. He's is, bougie. Is that, that's what, that's I mean, what the kids are calling it. You're bougie. Yeah. I, it's a weird flex, AF. but I mean, whatever. Bougie AF. Nice right. callback. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird flex. <laughs> Tom, Tom has informed me the kids. Nobody, nobody says nobody that. Says not that. even the kids. <laughs> not even the kids. We looped all the way past yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all what right. I'm working. So I have like a whole bunch, um, bunch of the hexes, and my goal. I need to. I'm still in the process because there's like I don't even know like 50 different things you need to to print to replace all the card that's in the actual game. Man, that's crazy. Then, you're you're like. You're one or two steps away from Taburu. I don't know who that is. Simon's new thing. Oh, I, I haven't even paid attention. Because fully we, integrated, like, computer. Yeah. What is it? Augmented reality board gaming, basically. Yeah. Looks cool. Cool. I haven't got to Kickstarter. That I've... You gave me a hard um, time about Kickstarters. So. I know, and I just want to play Warcry, Troy. So let's let's. Ding. <laughs> All right. So after, I'll so, take care of the dings. Don't uh, worry. Okay. So, so while my printers are making little tiles for Blackstone, uh, I did get, and this is kind of jumping on Kickstarter. I did get a table, a four by six table, in the mail. Um, it came in a big box. Like, did you order of, it? Uh, or did it just show up? It just showed up. Well, it was. <laughs> It, we'll get to that. Are, well, it was are a our sponsor sending him stuff and not. I guess. No, yeah. It was a oh. it was a Kickstarter that took so long to get. I forgot about it. No, I knew it was coming. It just took it a little while. To oh, it so it was, up. it was something from Simon. Yeah. Uh, no, that's mm. still coming. Okay. Um, so I did. Uh, so I'm calling it hobby. I'm calling hobby is that I got this table that I assembled and we we'll built. Talk. You built a table. I built a yeah. table. Yeah, and so and I you procured it. Too. Ron Ron Swanson would say that's hobby. That's hobby. Yeah. 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 So we'll talk about that more in Kickstarter. The actual table, but that right, was cool. my, That's I think that's my hobby. That's it. I have some procurement, but we'll save that for yep. a little later. Purchase is hobby. So Ty and I, I think both did mini stomp orders. Um, Dominion of Sigmar terrain. Yes. How much did you buy? Enduring Stormvolt, the big box? Yes. With like the three pieces? Yes. That a boy. And I bought the circle one too and the little one and then the big box. Yeah, I bought the big box and then one of the the rectangles. I'm building a whole table of Dominion of Sigmar. I like it. I like it. Um, Yeah, I just have, I did buy, like, I think it's the. The dais, the the, round one? The half round one? Isn't there like a half round one? Well, there's like with the round on the top. On the top. Maybe that. It's. I feel like it's a big rectangle one then. We're using a lot of hand gestures. Yeah, sorry. Even (laughs) even intoxicated me knows that's bad radio. Yeah, Yeah, that is bad radio. But we bought a bunch of that Sigma terrain. Uh huh. Sounds like you bought a lot less Less than 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 I, though. Yes. Yeah. Have you built any of it? It's really fun. Mm -hmm. It's a good set. Um, I got that. I got Forbidden Power in that order. And then oh, I, didn't, I didn't write this in the show notes, but I want to talk about it. Have you guys seen? So I think we talked about the 40K Funko Pops a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at As a store exclusive, um, they released gray, like plain the un- plastic yeah, the un- gray Intercessor un- Marines. Mm-hmm. Landon and I had gone to the shop, but there was a super long line. There weren't any on the shelf. So I reached out to our guy, Mini Stomp, Landmine that day. And I was like, hey, man. Are you going to get these? He said, I think so. I said, you're going to make one very happy seven-year-old. I need two of them because Landon wants yeah. to paint them. Nice. And and Troy, I almost don't want to say this, but I will. He, uh, he saw the Ultramarine one because we got all four. We got all four of them. And he said, can we paint these to look like this one? 
and he held out the ultramarine yeah, one. Yeah. And I and I and I said, "No, we don't allow ultramarines to be painted in this house." <laughs> um, uh, and he looked at me and he goes, oh, "We can. I mean, we could do other colors." I said, "Yeah." And then I added that Reboot uh, Gilliam is the false emperor and a heretic, the first of the heretics. <laughs> and he go he looked at me with that look of, "I don't know what you're saying." Um, mm-hmm. I said, you'll understand someday, but we don't paint ultramarines in this house. <laughs> wow. So that's like, that's hobby. I like it. That's yeah. hobby? Isn't that child abuse? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not, not when you are a blood angel. Do we got to call CPS or, <laughs> or something like that? I made it, it just made, we may have to do like family invites over to the basement of death. Like, yeah, Landon, why don't you come on over, so play can, with Sarah a little so bit. So you can see how you're playing incorrectly. Yeah, and like... <laughs> A subpar faction. Yeah, they come. Landon comes over for some reason. My entire ultimate army's out on the table. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. Did you about the Black Templar a little bit? Yeah. Um, and then so Funko Pops. I'm gonna expand. I'm going off track. So you guys got to rein me no, in. We're uh, so Michaels has baseball bat display cases. Mm-hmm. They're like yeah, glass, like glass front yep. that flip up and they're wood. They're also if you take out the baseball bat like half circle that supports the bat. Their perfect height for Funko Pops, so we hung two of those in his room for his Funko oh. Pop figure collection to display. Which uh, Tom was over and Landon was telling us where where to put them and yeah. how to make it look. So sweet. Yep. Um, and then uh, Warcry. I pre-ordered Warcry. <laughs> no, did you? Did yeah, you? I pre-ordered Warcry. Wait, what game? Warcry. Oh, uh, it's a new <laughs> upcoming skirmish game uh, set in the Age of Sigmar world. From Games Workshop, and uh, I'd I'd messaged Mini Stomp or Landmine Mini Stomp, you know, interchangeable, same guy mm-hmm. on Twitter, um, and then he sent the email out about here's the price list, reply, mm-hmm. get on the list. Don't know how many I'm gonna get. I um, put in my order, PayPal them two hundred and seventy dollars, and then um, got an email back that or a DM back that said I was the first pre-order mm-hmm. that supply. So I'm I'm gonna frame that. When Warcry is huge and takes off everywhere, that yeah. I was number one from <coughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's procurement. So, and uh, Anthony has been setting. So Troy, you made me a really cool ruined cottage uh, from um, help me out terrain printable scenery. Yep, printable scenery. Yep. And uh, Anthony Polcastro, um, in one of the Nashville guys, has been producing scenery as well. For me to pick up. Well, at what is this? Time. What is? Why are you cheating on He's me? Cheating on you? Yeah. What's well, this? Su- like supply. Anthony's a good guy. I've met him. Anthony's a good guy. But supply like, what's demand. The deal? Are you? Are your three D printers making me a ruined mages tower right now? Navigator tower. <laughs> no, you didn't ask though. You didn't get in the queue. Although that would see the problem is that would that would delay Project Blackstone. And then I know Anthony Priorities. does have. Yeah, Anthony does have multiple minions in his wherever it's his basement or wherever he. Don't, don't you have himself. three? I have. Two, but not two big ones. I only have, although I'm probably going to add a second one in there. But that's why Anthony Polcastro yeah. is my 3D printer of choice yeah, for Warcry scenery. All right, Dang. I'll see what I can do. All right, I'm I'm going to yeah. take a nap. You guys yes. talk about hobby for a little bit. Any other procurement? So I did pick up APOC. So 40k APOC came out like a week or so ago. Um, I don't know that it's it's cool and it's a really cool game and it's gonna be fun to get everything on the table. I don't know that the box set is worth a hundred dollars. Like the, the, the Knights one is. 
Well, no, like that box, yes. The, but yeah. the actual rule set, the actual rules oh. is 100, and it's not Mm-mm. worth, all it is is cards. I mean, really, all it is is the rule book yeah. and cards and counters. Like, they tried to make it feel like it's $100, it's but it's not. It's not the greatest box set that Games Workshop has no, ever. No, not. I heard that Warcry yes. is actually going to be the greatest yeah. box set. No, no. I real, want Paul on every, every episode. <laughs> real real quick clarification, is it just when you say it or when anybody says it? Says what? Warcry? Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I dinging for everything? Warcry? Let's just call this the Warcry episode. I know we spent an hour plus talking about Ethereum, the role-playing game, <laughs> yeah. which I'm also very excited about. But but it's no Warcry. No. This is probably the last time you guys let me this drink a, a crawler full of cocktail as well. We're jumping the rails. So when I didn't order Warcry, I did order the a Knight's APOC box, which, as Ty said, is a good deal. And a, a I tremendous did, value. Yeah, are, you could, doing, are you doing Chaos Knights? Uh, probably not, Duncan, right? Duncan's disappointed. Yeah, no, I'm probably not doing chaos. I'm doing regular. I, I think I'm gonna because I have a bunch of other ones, but this was the big that was in that box set. And you could just do one thick coat now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with no. contrast paint. With contrast paint. Yeah. Probably, probably not on my night though. So, <laughs> so, so Paul, Paul yeah, Paul, any hobby? Any hobby so, um, my hobby's been taken over by a secret project I'm working on. <gasps> I'm writing a novel for Ooh. secret project. <clears throat> Anvil it. It's not secret anymore. It's, 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 it's for the, the Ethereum game. The three people that listen. Yeah, are yeah luckily know. nobody's listening anymore. They're gonna so, know. Well, actually, this will be before. So oh, this will be before. Yeah, okay. this be good. No, but that's cool. Awesome. So it's taken. That takes just all my time right now. All my hobby time. Hey, that's that's better than putting toy soldiers together. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody's least favorite part of this, where we talk about Kickstarter. Anything cool out there? So, Anthony's probably already all over this, but Warlayer <laughs> 3D printable terrain, they just have a Kickstarter out. Just went out, so it, it's still available. A lot of really cool, mostly it's 40, 40K-ish kind of uh, Necromunda-type terrain. Yeah. Um, but it's, <laughs> but it, uh, but good deal and looks really cool. And you can, and basically he has like his two previous sets also available through Kickstarter. So you can like immediately get a whole bunch of stuff to uh, hmm. add to your to your 40k or other kind of dystopian future kind of type uh, fantasy print stuff so sweet um and did a, you oh and a table just showed up a table yes yeah, so we talked about i assembled the table that table was the game changer table from the table of ultimate gaming guys so we you I think a lot of people have seen that this was their kind of step down table not there like they, they call it the elite is the one the, the big one i went with the game changer because i went for a four by six and like the elite has an like has a whatever six inch i'm making using fingers again like a six inch um rim around it so a four by eight is like huge so it ends up being like a six by uh you know a six by nine kind of table to try and fit in there um, but i got the game changer i would call it uh, we and I, Josh and I were talking. Later, I think we'll maybe do a throwdown between the Duchess and the Game Changer at some point. Are we point. gonna do a table war, but not table, table war right. segment? Yeah. yeah, an actual table war, table war, um, table versus table, table versus table, and talk Two about kind tables of the, enter, one becomes kindling for a fire. No, I don't think we're gonna like. <laughs> yeah, whoever one loses, we just break it up right there. For a war cry bonfire. <laughs> yeah, war cry. Uh, <laughs> 
So it'd be fun for one night. <laughs> Tom said it'd be fun for one night. Um, so the game, it's I would call it like. I don't know. I gave it like a quick, I think somebody asked me, I gave it like a seven out of 10. I would call it, I was a little iffy on some of the, like the quality compared to what they, their, their hype compared to what you actually get. All I right. think there's a little bit difference. And so we'll go it, into that. So. Is, is it better than three, two by four segments of MDF on your table? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot okay. better than that. Yeah. Um, how do your dice roll on it? Oh, like, really? I mean, in the end, it looks super slick. You guys have seen pictures. We'll all come over and do. What <laughs> are these dice rolling? No, they they the, go. The uh, I didn't deep. You, yeah, save that you for the to, next. You want me to start my rant no, early? No, 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 yeah, no we'll save, save it. it. We'll save, save it. it. We're save going it. there. Um, so yeah, the dice are really good. The mat it looks really cool. Actually, I have an, a really cool custom mat that's going to go in there that is going to look cool. So it looks really good. I'm just a little iffy on some of the actual build quality. How, how many ultramarines are going to die on that table to Mortarian oh. and man, man Reaper? Uh, just a couple. Yeah. Like okay. 2000 points worth. But, <laughs> All right. That. Cool. So we'll go into more. I would, again, I gave it like a seven out of 10. I'll give you a little bit more. Hit me up on Twitter. If you want to know gory details on whether you should really buy it or not. Um, but uh, I, I think I'm going to be pretty happy with it. And we're going to, I think and we're going to break it in on yeah, a few games are. here one of these days. So, it will be broken in. How about some fulfillment? You guys had some boxes arrive at your doors. Mm-hmm. So uh, just yesterday or the day before, uh, Edge of Darkness, which we talked about because Elena did, our friend Elena. Art director. Art, art directed it. and all what, the terrain. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's just tons of gorgeous art. In it. But that box is, it weighs 18 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to be, it's got to be like 10 inches tall. It's got to be like 24 it's, by it 10. It sounds like the Gloomhaven box. It, yeah. yeah it, is yeah. it legit 18 pounds? Yeah. It's uh, 18 and a half was on that, the that, FedEx box. I think that weighs wow. more than Gloomhaven. Yeah. It, it's wow. ridiculous. I I hit her up. I'm like, Elena, what the heck is this? Like, it's monstrous. <laughs> like, I thought I was going to get like a, a big, you know, but it's monstrous. And so it's, it'll be cool to, I don't want to check it out and play it. And, uh, and there's just so much, I can't believe all the, I mean, it wasn't all her, but there's a lot of Elena's art in there. A lot of everybody else's. It's really cool. And I think it's really cool that her name is actually on the front cover. Like how many oh, yes. often do you see an art? Yeah. Where they actually give the artist, you know, and art That's director awesome. um, that kind of credit on there. So, um, so it'll be cool. We'll talk more about Edge of Darkness, but that just came and is with a forklift kind of in the. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got Trogdor, the board game. And for those that remember, uh, homestarrunner.net, it's dot com. Um, yeah, that. Uh, it really spoke to me, and and Ty was like, "You gotta get it, man." And I'm like, "All right, fine." So I, I backed it, and yeah, it just it just arrived, I think today. So I unboxed it and haven't actually like pulled it out of this, or I pulled it out of the uh, shipping box. I, I should say I haven't pulled it out of the cellophane yet, so because I was setting up to record tonight. But yeah, I'm excited to give it a whirl. And then um, there's one other thing on here. <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, we go to, okay, other. Paul, other. unless you had any Kickstarters. <laughs> any Paul, Kickstarter, any Kickstarter? I haven't all right. Really. Tom, you have any Kickstarters? Um, no? No. All right. What, all right. what I will say is other. Awaken Realms had an um, awesome new Kickstarter launch. It's like a campaign cooperative. Um, I, I can't think of the name of it now. I'll make sure I follow back up with it because it... It blew me away with the contents um, of the game, but they've done this War of Mine. Then mm-hmm. they did Nemesis, and this is their next project. 
that looks like a cooperative campaign in a fantasy world where dreams have some element full of miniatures and cards. Um, just cool. it, absolutely, I was blown away. And I might back this one just because of the the look and feel of it. Cool. And I know Troy's trying to help me out here and, yeah, and find I'm trying it. Trying to but, like um, tainted grail is that? Uh, no. 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 I'm trying to think what. That's the only new one I can we'll, see. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back. This is bad radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drunk people talk about things they don't know anything about. <laughs> other. Yeah, the All other right. Day. So, Sylvaneth. Yeah, I think I think you're right. They got T- a new book. Tainted Grail. Sorry. We'll back up because I have it. Tainted Grail. Kickstarter is live. Went live on um, that one. Yeah, that. That looks. That appears like that it might right. be right. We'll figure Thank that out. Thank you, Troy. Tainted Grail. There you Appreciate go. it. Oh no, this is old. Sorry, I'm lying to you. Ugh. Troy lied. I lied. Paul, can cool. you great radio? Can you just help and get Troy yeah. to focus. I think the problem on I can't this reach episode. him. I'd slap him, but you know, <laughs> too far. Um, so Sylvaneth got a new book. Yeah, and it was uh, lost for a while. So GW had some distribution printing issues, mm-hmm. uh, but the new Sylvaneth book is coming. I know Troy is very happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. But a ancillary product to the new book was a set of custom dice. I hear they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have been buying ten sets. Ten nice. sets. Beautiful. <laughs> These Sylvaneth dice are the biggest piece of trash since the Malign Portance dice. They're beautiful. You can see them. They have terrible. they have a uh, uh, like tree branch with leaves that mark how many leaves mark how many dice like the dice number so like two leaves on the branch is two four is four but the the six is a swirl it's a swirl mm-hmm. it's not a six it's not a tree it's not it's not a it's it's just a swirl and it is the worst bit. Of custom dice they have made to date. It is worse than the Deepkin dice, which are trash. Mm-hmm. It is worse than the Nurgle pustule blips that are tough to count. It is even worse than the Zinch dice that Josh uses that I despise. I this they I only are use them for dice. atrocious. They are, like GW said, guys, we love dick dice. Let's make them. Hashtag yeah, I, dick dice. Produce I, I, them. I do agree that they hit all the criteria for dick dice. Yeah, like one in six. The one in six. Yeah. <laughs> There's no no pips. No pips. No, no numbers. They didn't even give me numbers. Yeah, no uh. numbers and the color. Yeah, and they, there's like limited contrast between the die color and whatever the actual imprint is on the thing. So it's hot garbage. Although I, I I was trying to argue, I do not believe that they're any worse than. Some of the other ones, like the Ideneth dice, which we happen to have sitting right here, I think are worse because they're they're literally you cannot read them at all. Like I, I don't believe you can read them at all because they're clear with no. Like they they really fail on the whole color part. Yeah. Now the symbols may be better. I may give you that. Like the symbols may be better on those dice, but I think just from a basic design, they're they're crap. I would then, rather have somebody use a dice rolling app. So when I played Jacob at Bruce City, mm-hmm. and he was like, can my Plague Monks just want to roll these on the, the app? I said, yeah, because we're too drunk to do real mm-hmm. dice math. Let's let, <laughs> let's let this do it for us. I would, well, If somebody had the Sylvanet dice or the, the Deepkin dice, or even the Zinch dice, that yeah. was their dice for the game, mm-hmm. I would probably say, no, I no. can't read them. Right. That's what I say to Josh every time he tries to play with them. If, if Josh tried to roll them against me, 
I would, I would, uh, I would actually say, let's just do the math. I'll give you averages rather than the dice mm-hmm. roll. So <laughs> you hit on a three up, well, cool. You know, he's each, he's each, so he just says they're all sixes anyway. Oh, yeah, it's such a trade. Right, I don't, I don't roll them for actual rolls. I only use them. Well, for I mean, you could use the dice. flesh eater dice where you don't roll; you just remove my models. Yeah. So that, that's it's better. We'll do that. I get yeah. All right, dick dice. <laughs> so we're saying. So we uh, is that trending yet? Do we have we got that? Hashtag, no, hashtag dick dice. We're not guys. an influencer. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll work. We'll try work to on it a little bit. Yeah. So you mentioned Jacob Berry. Good guy. Good guy. He, he announced recently on Twitter that this past week he and his wife are having a baby, which is awesome. Yeah. Good well, luck. One little tip of news that uh, maybe you didn't hear is uh he's you know he's a little bit worried about fundraising for this baby so he is uh uh auctioning off his underwear for each <laughs> tournament worn <laughs> underwear uh so yeah if you, you reach out to Jacob Berry um he's auctioning off underwear for day 1 and day 2 of every tournament <laughs> are um, they the same <laughs> well, that's so you might have to pay a premium if they are the same for both days. So, uh, yeah, reach out to Jacob. Um, and, and that, that's okay. at Big Jables on Twitter. At Big Jables on Twitter. <laughs> Who wears underwear to tournaments? <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Who wears underwear to tournaments? Tom says. Jacob is for this specific uh, fundraising event. So, oh, that's fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, other news. Did you guys know that GW has a new skirmish game for Age of Sigmar yeah, coming no. called, What's War, it called War Cry? What was that? What's this other? There's something else here about Critical Role oh, yeah. podcast um, backlog. So I've been listening to Critical Role. Uh, I'm up to episode 31 of the first season. I have only 80 some more to go in season mm-hmm. one and then another 90 or so in season two. Um, but I'm listening. I'm to the Briarwoods, which if anyone is mm. familiar, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm they're they're in Whitestone, yeah. uh, working towards that that arc. So very cool. happy about finally diving in the critical role five years later. Oh, it's still good. It's still good. I need you guys to catch up. I'm trying, man. Because there's some really, it's just there's some really cool stuff that happens at the end of that campaign that would really be funny for our current campaign. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I can always I can never talk about it because you guys are all like miles behind. So, so we usually do a uh, every so often a library segment. I think mm-hmm. we've been doing some reading or listening at one point two five speed on Audible. Yes, and we have a, a new guest in studio, so we'll talk a little bit about some some reading mm-hmm. we've been doing. Um, Troy, I'll let you kick it off because you are the uh, the BOD library master. No, maybe. So I did. I finally got off my butt and I did update the Horace Heresy reading guide on the website uh, earlier this week. Kind of, I had put that out like May of last year because it was basically, if you hadn't listened, it was a response to Ty going, What should I read for the Horace Heresy? Um, and I started this thread on Discord and it turned into a, a, a three page blog entry. Um, and then I'm like, Well, this seems useful to someone. Um, besides Ty, <laughs> and I'll throw it up there. I was super surprised. Like it is the most popular like page on our website. Um, like thousands of people have have looked at it. Whether they've gotten any value out of it, I don't know. But I, so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, maybe I should actually update it. So I've just updated it with um, Titan Death, uh, Slaves of Darkness, and I'm trying to think what the last one was. Oh, and uh, Wolf Spain, which are the the last three that lead up to the the Siege of Terra. Um, so I just kind of threw, threw my opinion on there. I think uh, Slaves of Darkness is the only one of those you really, really need to read. 
um, to, if you now you don't have to read it, but what I wrote, but you can you can go and get more detail on it there. Um, but I, I threw it up there, and that'll probably be it for that because I won't. Everybody's gonna read the Siege of Terror books. They should like the first one's awesome. I assume the next one. Maybe just write that at the bottom. You're gonna read all these, right? See, go read. You can read it. That's what it says. Perfect. See now, nobody needs to go and read it because we just spoiled it all. That's it. So, um, <laughs> so again, if you if you are looking for like, hey, how do I kind of shortcut um, the horse heresy and read the ones that I I think are, are useful? You, again, totally my opinion. Your your mileage may vary. Um, I try to throw that a little bit in there because if you like certain chapters, you may want different things like that, but. Um, but I am, I'm just a little bit surprised how many people have looked at it in the last year. So <laughs> it's helped me pick the five. I, I started with, I haven't gone any no. further. I'm 38 books behind. No, you're not. Day, no, you can, you can, you'll find, weave your way through there. quickly <clears throat> to there. So, um, Josh, I'm going to kick it over to you. You've smashed your record. Yeah. I've, I've completed my record, uh, or my, my goal, your goal, my goal you set a record. Yeah. Most books read in a year. Yep. Um, what's next? Where are you going from here? So I'm reading the Bobaverse series, which is, it was just something random that popped up. Is in that my... a kid's book series? No, mm. no. It's like goosebumps. No, it's not like mm. that. Oh, um, yeah. Well, Troy, why are you nodding? It's not. Nodding what? I'm not nodding. Oh, I thought you were like, he's yeah, supporting you. Yeah, he's, supporting he's acknowledging they're, I'm a jerk. They're, yeah. they're not like super <laughs> massive books, but they're interesting. Like they're, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm having fun with them. Uh, so it's the, we are Legion. We are Bob. It's from the first one in the Bobaverse who's, series. Who's the author on that? Do we know? Oh, shoot. I should have Bobaverse. It. Or if I just search Bobverse. Yeah. And Josh yeah. will look it up. So okay. the idea is it's kind of modern time guy dies his brain gets frozen and then he wakes up in the future and he's basically in the ai for a, a ship hmm. uh, and then the story kind of goes off from there um and and how they're actually they have to protect the universe it this interesting story um it has a little bit of a flavor like kind of a ready player one where there are a lot of kind of pop references hmm. because the original character came from our modern day and kind of forced in the future um, so that, that's the kind of little bit of humor, a little bit of weaving in of the, uh, you know, pop culture stuff. Um, I won't, my opinion, I, I liked the first book, but not enough to keep reading. Josh is, likes it a little bit more and he's kept reading. So, yeah, yeah. I, I started the second book and I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I put it down, uh, just for a little bit cause I was doing something else, but, uh, I'm going to pick it back up, uh, it is written by Dennis E. Taylor. Uh, and it's narrated right by Ray Porter, who does a really great job. Yeah, so, I think the narrator's good. It's a yeah, solid lesson. Yeah, he does some other popular stuff, too, um, narrating. Um, but anyway, it's, I think it's a good series um, so far. And there's three books currently, and I think they're working on a fourth. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, anyway. Cool. Paul, have you, between writing your own stuff, have you been doing any reading, listening? Yeah, I just reread Neuromancer last week, mm-hmm. um, just because... As source material, sort of, for what I'm doing. Um, and a friend of mine in a writing group that I'm in um, referenced Dune in hmm. one of her short stories. Mm-hmm. And um, that made me pull it off the shelf because yeah. I haven't read that in, I don't know, 10 years. So I'm halfway through Dune right now. But um, yeah, Neuromancer was uh, by William Gibson was the yeah, last, Gibson, right? yeah. last one. Yeah, I've, I've got Neuromancer in a steady state of progress. I, every so often I'll pick it up, read like 12 pages, then it's so shelf good. it while I read two other books and go back. It's like constantly coming back. Um, 
I've been reading okay. a new series uh, by Richard Cadry uh, called Sandman Slim. So what's been really creepy is I don't know if he's played World of Darkness games or if he knows like or if I I, I don't even know. There there's so many like similar arcs going on in our so Paul's storyteller game we play mage um that we've we've talked about on the show several times but the guy is the central character Sandman Slim um he was in a circle of mages and he was betrayed they sent him to hell he spent 11 years in hell battling in the pits there and now he's come back to earth you come to find out much more about him but it's modern day Los Angeles um, one of the books opens with him chasing a vampire through the streets that he fights in an old theater. Um, Lucifer hires him as a bodyguard and they go and do like, there's all these different interactions in these books and it's a, it's a, um, urban fantasy, I guess you would refer to it as I'm on the third book. The first one, Sandman Slim. The second is kill the dead where there's like a zombie uprising in Los Angeles. And the third is Aloha to hell. Um, I'm reading them. I'm not listening, but, um, just I'm, I'm crushing through the books, you know, every night I'm trying to read a little bit and I finally finished, um, Sam Sykes, uh, seven blades in black, highly recommend everyone read that book. It's just, it's super long. It's like 700 pages long. Um, and I picked up Chuck Wendig, his new one, the wanderers, which is kind of like a modern day. Um, people are sleepwalking. There's a sleepwalking epidemic and they're going to some destination and their loved ones, some of them are following them to make sure they stay safe. Mm. So it has elements of like Kings, the stand, um, but really in, in today's world as messed up as everything is um, to add that and show the current state of, you know, the U S and the world as this epidemic hits and people deal with it in their own ways is, is really cool. Um, and I, I, I'm excited to see where that one goes. Cause it's given me a lot of ideas. Um, just about that concept of like dreams and sleepwalking and where people go and what they do and how they're motivated through, you know, sleep and what they think of. Hmm. Cool. And that's Wendig. Chuck Wendig. Wendig. Yeah. I know you've you've got some Wendig hate from his yeah. uh, Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I know. I have to get over that. So this book, it, it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Um, and it's the, in uh, second person. Um, it, so it flips. The narrator flips. It it covers the. Um, <laughs> Paul just made a face that that isn't getting me to read the book if it's really in second person. That's the shifts, other part that I have a hard time no, with him with. It it like shifts, he can make it work sometimes. I just struggle no, with it. Like it shifts to different people and their interactions mm-hmm. with their loved ones. So, mm-hmm. and and then it removes at times and does kind of that, like, camera looking at a group of people. And then it goes back to, mm-hmm. to so it sh- it shifts the yeah. the focal Rockers. point. So I can't say oh. it's one one, one narrator and one perspective. It, it jumps around. As long cool. as it's not second person, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna write a book in a uh, second person, and it's gonna be called War Cry. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been I've finished um, the. So this is the I have to highly highly recommend if you're gonna read one 40k book. Um, you got to read Spear of the Emperor, Aaron Dembski Bowden. 
it's i'll call it modern day 40k so this is like the post the rift everything else so ty's gonna jump in he's got i was gonna say does fulgrim kill ferris manis twice in that one no no he's already this is that's a long time ago this is modern day 40k yeah but i'm trying to spoil it like you did to me (laughs) (laughs) i knew Uh, where that was going (laughs) um so this is like after the rift this is the basically the the Emperor's Spears, which is the uh, a chapter, and it's basically the guys on the, are they on the other side of the rift. So they're in Alara's Vale. It's and it, it like the tone. It is super super dark. Um, like it's like Aaron is is channeling Ivor Crombie. Um, like and how you get that in a forty k universe is that's why I would just really recommend this. Like. It really sets the stakes of like, you know, we've had like in 40K, the universe has kind of bumped ahead and you had the rift. And this was the first book for me that really kind of set the, made you feel he, the stakes have really been lifted. Like the people on the other side of the rift are just fighting time until they probably die. Like the, these are these three chapters, the lions, the spears, um, and then the, the mentors that come over, um, or the scorpions that were there, red scorpions were there, um, you know, they're just these guys. This chat, they're just they have no no re, um, reinforcements. They're you know the chaos guys just keeping them back, but and they're trying to keep the worlds and uh, and it's told in first person from not a marine, but from the uh, basically one of the the that whatever you want to call a squire or whatever who, uh, a, a woman who's the helper for one of the marines that come over. And it's basically they, they come over, they make it through the rift to just kind of to see what's going on. Like has anybody survived? And basically it's a one-way mission because they don't think they'll actually be able to get back to the actual Imperium. But um, I, it was interesting, like how the, maybe the state of mind that Aaron was in when he wrote this book, like it is, I would just really reckon really dark, um, had me emotional at, at one point, which I'm like a 40 K book. Like it's not, so it's compared not, it's to not a, all bolter, porn right, right. And, compared to a lot of yeah. stuff, passwords, bolter porn and all, you know, yeah. and you kind of like, yeah, I mean, at some point I almost gloss over the battles cause I just want to know what the plot points are just really engaging. I think it's because of the way that he approached the story and with the, with the character. So, um, yeah, I can't recommend it any, you know, any stronger, especially if you're interested in kind of that current day 40 K. Cause it really kind of sets the stakes for like, Hey, the world's in like, or the universe is in a really, really bad place. And this is the first book for me that kind of like really, uh, kind of helped understand that. So, and it's Aaron Dempsey Bowden. So nothing Sa- wrong safety there. question or safety yeah. uh, tip. Don't put bolter porn in a search engine. <laughs> no. I don't yeah. know. I think you'll get a bunch of 40k. But listen to Bolter Porn at 1.25 yeah. speed on Audible. Oh yeah. Um so BOD library. Uh I forgot one thing in our other. Can I go back? Is that allowed because of yeah. as, as long as it's not war reasons? No, so <laughs> So um, I bet, though, this guy will appreciate Warcry. Uh, he will. But a um, uh, longtime listener and, and fan of the show, Josh, uh, had been on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Um, sent us all a message, you know, saying, hey, I'm doing some stuff. I'm removing my social media footprint. Uh, but, you know, thanked us and, and want to make sure still kind of engaging with him in, in the manner we can, which for now is through the show. Then I saw something really awesome yesterday on Facebook. So Adan from the Independent Characters has recently relocated to Arizona. Um, and Adan put up a thing of a game played, a thousand point game with his sisters against Space Wolves with Josh. This And it was untagged, like the guy, just the name. And there were pictures. 
and I saw Josh's um, Dreadnought, the Space oh, yeah, Dreadnought yeah. that ended up on the Forge World site. Yeah, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, that's awesome. Um, he connected with Adon <laughs> when Adon moved and said, hey, let's play a game. Yeah. And then I saw like Adon's post and the pictures, and I'm like, that's jo- that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's super and cool. I saw that on the, the IC uh, Facebook Thanks. group, which was really cool to, to see. So one of these days, I know my work travel will have me in Arizona probably sometime in August or September, and I'm, I'm going to try really hard, Josh, to hit you up, and I won't be able to play. I'll have to borrow models or something, uh, but um, yeah. I'll be in the, in, in the area. So Maybe you can play Warcry. Yeah, maybe we can play Warcry. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Josh. You can play Warcry 37 times. Looking for you. Or more. <laughs> or All right. More. <laughs> when we come back, I will be more sober and more ready to engage in intelligent conversation rather than drunken rambling as we talk with Paul DK and Aaron Darland about Anvil 8 Games, Ethereum, the role playing game. But for now, I'm going to take a nap. These guys are going to probably get another beer. And we'll be right back with Ethereum, the role-playing game. Welcome back from the break. We are now ready with both Paul DK and Aaron Darland, Anvil 8 Games, in the house and on the computer. Technology's great to talk about the Ethereum role-playing game from Anvil 8 Games. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, we've all in some way, shape, or form been involved through some of the testing and, and seen the, the game come along. So now to be able to talk about it, have you guys on to to share, um, just a, start with an overview of, of the game, and then we'll get into some questions. Um, but before we do that, I think what's even more important is to introduce you guys. So first we have Aaron Darland. And Aaron, you want to anything you want to share with our audience or us? You know a little bit about about yourself. I don't have any questions ready well, and, for you. And a little gaming cred. You gotta you gotta give us a little gaming cred. <laughs> Build your street cred. Sure. Um, so I have been a game designer for seven-ish years now, um, professionally. Um, so it was it was very exciting to get into the field. I've always sort of uh, enjoyed role-playing games um, since since I was young and, and been involved with those. Um, and then as I got older and it became harder to actually schedule games, I wanted another game that um, was way too much time. And so I found <laughs> miniatures games and I got into miniatures games and those were the sort of gateway for me into actually design. So I played a whole bunch of them, GW games, of course, uh, Privateer Press and so forth. Uh, but what stuck ended up being um, Malifaux by Weird. Um, and then I ended up working for them for a number of years. Uh, you know, really, really enjoyed that. Um, but uh, it was it was time to move on. And then I joined Ambulate and uh, worked on this RPG with, with Paul. Um, so I've been... I've been a gamer my whole life, and I, you know, I remember designing a Sonic the Hedgehog game with a friend of mine on paper <laughs> in middle school. So I've just sort of always been interested in the creation aspects of it, and it's so great to yeah get to do it um, and get to work with with people um, who sometimes have very differing opinions and try to find uh, either compromise points or whatever. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's where it came from, um, and and specifically where I ended up with Anvil Eight was just getting to know the guys who worked there, um, and sort of falling in love with them, um, and and deciding <laughs> that that would be a good place to land. So they they are yeah, a very lovable good. bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know, absolutely. handsome too, <laughs> incredibly <laughs> handsome. Right. Uh, so after that awkward uh, talking about the guys from Anvil Eight, let's introduce Paul. Paul DK, our, our friend, longtime friend. Uh, we've we've played a lot of games with you, but how about you give us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I don't want to age myself, but I've been playing games for you know, like thirty-two years, like from the Red Box D and D, and um, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> we I played. Um, I had a, a good friend in high school that we played literally every role-playing game or minis game we could find. Um, like the Top Gun minis game, you know, like, uh, <laughs> Star Frontiers. Like it didn't matter what it was, we would play it. Um, and I've been doing that sort of forever. Um, and then through Ty, I actually met Brian Nairo, right, um, of of Anvil Eight, and um, I joined up as a as a fluff writer, I was writing the stories um, for the for the rule books. And um, we were having curry one day, and I was like, "Yo, Brian, let's let's make a game." So that's me. And, and here we are, a couple years later, yeah, with years. a a rule book um, that both of you put out into the world. Um, so we've we've talked about Ethereum in the past on on the show, and we've we've explained some things. But I, I think what would be helpful to to anyone coming in is an overview of um, probably first. I, I think one of the very unique things that drew us into Ethereum uh, as as fans and as gamers up front was the world and the setting. So um, we we will hand off the uh, the interview torch and not ask a lot of questions, but ask you guys to provide some of that exposition. What what is the world of Ethereum? Um, and and what you know what is that all about before we get into the the mechanics and some of the explanation of the, the role playing game itself. Yeah. Well, let me do sort of a, a high-level overview, and then, um, Paul, if you want to jump in with some of the specifics that are cool, um, that, that might work well. Because, um, you know, as Paul said, he was he was writing for it, um, I don't know, maybe before I knew about it, or certainly before I joined the company. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Ethereum setting is, is a really neat one. Um, I sometimes describe it as a little bit like The Matrix and a little bit like Ready Player One, but in some ways it's not really like either. So um, it's about 200 years in our future. And what ends up happening is we've basically destroyed the planet. A little bit of climate change, a little bit of wars, a little bit of overpopulation, um, you know, just sort of a smorgasbord of things. But it's not really a post-apocalyptic game. It's just bleak cyberpunk sort of world. Uh, But we ended up finding another reality that we're able to access digitally by essentially um, hooking our mind up through a a mental link. Um, And it basically, most people experience the Ethereum, which is this world we found as a cyberspace, um, but it does actually exist independently. And as we uh, grew it out and expanded it and everything like that, um, we developed with more and more programs, uh, is what we call them, and they uh, filled out the world with these different uh, bastions of civilization because it's not like one endless place. It's more like islands of civilization 
in this other dimension that we found. Uh, so the game takes place within that setting, um, and the characters mo- spend most of their time actually logged into that world. Um, and then there's some time where they might spend time in what we call the meat space, which is the remains of the, the material world and sort of the, the bleakness there. So that's generally like the, the big picture. If you want to fill in some cool details, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I like to add Tron in there too when we're talking about what you know, um, or even Neuromancer or Snow Crash um, to talk about the world um, and how we access it. I remember early on um, we were talking about it and trying to figure out how to explain it to people, and uh, I think you were the one that first came up with the idea of saying it's a different dimension instead of this. I think we had this very um, sort of generic tagline at first, like a world between worlds. And um, you, I remember we were trying to talk to you about it and we were like, oh, no, it's just a different dimension. We only access it digitally. And I think that really changed it for um, for us to be able to talk about it intelligently and, and communicate it to be new players and, and people. So I think that helps. Yeah, and I, not, to, not to feel like I'm a, a world builder by any means, but one of the things I enjoy most about the setting is some of the different factions, the collectives that um, you see and interact with in the miniature game um, that, you know, everyone is looking at taking their own part of this, this dimension, this space for their own reason. And there's all these motivations from, you know, be it House Ikaru and they're monetizing the, the system or, axiom looking to grind everyone down with their boot you know the the religious control state um or the the anarchy of of the nanime i mean there's all these different groups that really provide a lot of color in in this world too that um it's really fun to you know further craft a story within a role-playing game that you you interact with all these factions in the the miniatures game as well so seeing that ported over has been really fun yeah one of the things that i liked working on it um as, as I learned more about it from, from everybody on the team, is this uh, sort of paradoxical tension that exists between the sort of cyberpunk nature and the whimsical nature of this cyberspace. And so you end up with many places when you log into the Ethereum that are these pristine, beautiful, well-organized, exciting places. But everything has this undercurrent of these mega corporations and everything like that. So when you look at a lot of um, sort of cyberpunk things, let's just say like Blade Runner or something, that same level of like dark tones and bleakness isn't visible. It's not on the surface level of the Ethereum, but it undercuts everything. There's like no ownership in the world, and you're basically like, you know, um, an indentured servant living in a company town and these sorts of things that, that really form the backbone. And so you get to go out on these sort of wild, over-the-top adventures, but there's a significant grounding to all of them and sort of a threat and a sinisterness that underlies it all. Absolutely. And then um, I, I think what would be fitting, since it is a, a role-playing game, and we are all familiar with different D20 percentile-based systems um, or, you know, dice pools, what are what are really the, the core mechanics of the, of the game? You know, how is that conflict resolved? How are, how are actions taken? If, if you guys want to talk a little bit about the, uh, 
you know the the nuts and bolts of the the mechanics we we won't try to put everyone to sleep with <laughs> math and and statistics but uh certainly at least a you know an overview of if i walk up to the the booth at at gen con I say, oh, a new role-playing game. What are some? What are some of the core mechanics uh, that you guys can share about the game? So I'll let um, Aaron talk about the dice and the um, mechanics. But I think that the my my philosophical version of that answer is that it's a yes game. It's a game where you can try to do literally anything, and you are more likely than not going to succeed at the stuff you try to do. Um, so it's not about a GM sitting behind a screen saying, no, that's not going to work. You can't try that. Or um, even, oh, that would be way too hard. You can, I mean, I've had players do things that I would never have imagined even in, you know, working on the design. And um, I, I think that for me is the is the most important answer to the core mechanic of the game is that it's just, it's kind of like um, acting improv where it's it's yes and, you know, like you do this crazy thing. I say yes. And okay, now there might be some consequences or something, but... I think that players just are really empowered to try creative stuff and and have fun with it and be able to do really cool things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the way that happens in the game we'll get into later, or the way some of it happens in the game we'll get into later. But um, I think, importantly, the nuts and bolts of the system are pretty straightforward which allows more of the storytelling aspect that that paul's talking about players can try more things because they're not so much worried about all these different modifiers and things like that so on a basic level it's a d10 dice pool system that means you're going to have a stat let's say your stat is four you're going to roll four d10s you're looking for sevens or higher tens let you roll another dice they explode and you're looking for a certain number of sevens and higher to succeed. That's it. Now, you've got a variety of different stats. There are things that might, you know, add a dice to your pool or remove them. But all of those are, well, 99% of those are specific to your character, not to the core rules of the game. And so for the most part, you get to just say, like, I want to do this, and then you're going to roll the dice against a difficulty number and succeed or not. The only place that really fluctuates is we also have 12-sided dice that are used. And those 12-sided dice are actually custom dice with special symbols on them, uh, but it's easy to convert that from a normal D12. So you can either buy the dice or use a normal D12. The character sheets we have up online shows you the conversion. So if you use that character sheet, no problem. But um, those dice are used anytime you're doing specific Ethereum things, like trying to hack or um, being affected by the noise, which is sort of um, back, uh, sorry, environmental danger um, and things like that. So you've got these different elements there. Um, but those are, you know, pretty straightforward. The dice always work the same there. And then it's a D10s, and you're pretty much good to go. So all all I need is some D10s and then a couple of D12s and I I can sit down. Yeah. So then yeah. I think you know in in a role playing game, you're all playing a character, um, understanding the the core concept of the world. Um, you're you're in this this virtual mind mindscape this dimension. What what kind of characters are you able to play in this in this world in this game? Are there classes archetypes? You know what. What yeah. really is that all about? Yeah. So there are um, 
different what we call knacks. You could call them feats or talents or whatever. Just different things that, that differentiate your character a little bit there. Um, and then there are specs, specializations, uh, that give you different abilities um, as you level up. So you get a new ability every time you level up. And you can always choose whatever spec you want. Uh, but they are treed, so as you go higher in a spec, you get more abilities. You can't just choose later abilities. But there's a lot of freeformness in creating that character. Um, so I think it's 12 specs in the book. I'm not entirely sure just because there are advanced specs too, so sometimes I get a little a little confused as to what's in the advanced and what's in the basic. But um, you get these different spec choices, and you know within that, because you can... Ch- combine them any way you want you just have a a huge amount of choice in individualizing your character there um but i'd say the main differentiation comes in in the programs you choose um so you know when you're making this character you can get all these different abilities or whatever but at the end of the day the setting is the most important thing in the game and so your programs not only tell you some things you can do, they're basically items, uh, but they not only tell you what you can do, but you can choose how they look. So if you want to be, you know, uh, a, a Wild West gunslinger or something like that, you can look like that. I mean, you're logged on. You can you can decide what the things you have look like. Um, and that plays into, you know, again, the, the sort of potentialities of the game and the tone you're trying to set. I know Paul's been working on some um, adventures and, you know, he, he made it very clear to, to players like, uh, yeah, take some time and think about what your stuff looks like. Yeah, I think that um, I've seen groups make characters that are the same spec and the same, even some of the same programs. And the characters can feel totally different mm-hmm. just by how they're skinned, you know, like uh, by the the choices that they make for how they present the character. Um you know, uh, I, in one of my groups, I've got somebody that's playing a mechanic, um, but you spec them out a very in a very similar way to a doctor, and those two characters are very different from each other. Um, you wouldn't ever think, listening to like a a, a play <laughs> session, that they're that they're similar in in game stats, and yet the the system is um, open enough that that we can have that overlap and um, still have enjoyable play sessions with two people that aren't over, even though they're overlapped in some of the specs, they're still doing different stuff and, and very different uh, differentiated in terms of their, their narrative, their story and how they, how they present themselves. Yeah. And it, that is one of my favorite things about thinking. I don't know, for some reason it is that program construction. I, I call it kind of the constrained creativity you guys create. Cause you guys have this framework that kind of creates some constraints but then there's like, okay, what my creativity, what am I going to make this look like? How is it going to fit in the character I'm going to do? Um, I just find that something pretty unique, and, and I enjoy it. That's one of the things I really enjoy about it. Yeah, it yeah I think the the classless nature of the game, it, it, you know, the specs kind of provide guidance. The, the programs, though, are what you do. And not being locked into, you're a healer, you're a tank, you're the fighter, you have these limited choices it's really, you can have an awesome force weapon program, but you can also then have a program that has a thief assist or a hack assist. The, the ability to do these other things so you're not locked into that, that one class is, is another you know, huge um, draw to the, the game for me. I think it's a really good thing, too, for people who have a gaming group that not everybody can make every session. Um, because you can respect yourself pretty easily by cha- by choosing different programs to run that day. Um, 
And the narrative of the game holds that up because there are times where the characters just aren't logged in. You know, so yep. one guy can't show up that week. He, you know, like well, the other people pick up the slack and and make sure that they have the programs that are available. You know, that are that are necessary for that that story. All right, and then while you're doing all this fun, exciting bending of reality uh, and and cruising around the Ethereum, there is in in the book a, a significant uh, amount of time that can be spent. Uh, developing your character in in the meat space in the meat um do aaron do you want to talk a little bit about the the meat space character and some of the the differences there other than obviously you can't just turn a program on and make something appear in your hand yeah yeah so the meat space was uh sort of interesting from a conceptual standpoint in how much we were going to do in the game and we had numerous conversations about it um, because it's it's logged out. It's it's not exciting, um, and yet it forms this this sort of background for it, which can in in essence um, make it actually exciting. Like if you die in the Ethereum, it's very unlikely that there are going to be any real repercussions from that. If you die in the meat space, uh, you you die, um, and so you're like, all right, like my character might not have much in the meat space, but um, the stakes are are permanent. And in the Ethereum, you might have a ton of stuff, but the stakes are less likely to be permanent. And so it creates this nice sort of counterpoint. Mechanically speaking, um, it still uses the same D10s. Um, you have different stats. We actually just call them trainings to help differentiate it. But it, it's the same exact idea. You get these different um, things. So instead of, you know, um, having, you know, force, you have, you know, like uh, close combat training and so it's that sort of thing where it just creates that little difference there um but mechanically speaking the only thing that really um changes is that you are essentially just removing everything that those d12 dice did so you're no longer able to sort of just hack anything on the fly uh you can no longer overclock your character which is essentially gaining additional action points at uh the risk of creating glitch um sort of lasting damage to your character um you can no longer re-roll dice just because you want to um these are all things that are fueled from um what what's essentially glitch and ethereum dice in the in the ethereum side of things so when you log out you still have the same core rules but it's sort of amazing how differently things function and we've had a few examples of this in in games we played um i can remember one that i ran with uh, the guys at the office where they led an assault on um a, a compound a house akaru compound and they essentially go in guns blazing everything's good and there was no real commentary on how like yeah after i put a bullet in that guy he was done like that's that's not what happens in the ethereum and so all of a sudden there was a point where finally one of the players matt got um shot himself and he died in one hit um and he was just like wait i'm dead i was like yeah <laughs> the guy shot you with an assault rifle and he was like i don't i don't like get like a, a saving throw and i was like he shot you with an assault rifle like, <laughs> what do you what do you want here um and so you have that sort of thing and similarly at cons um we had some cool experiences where you know people would like log out and then they'd be like all right i'm gonna use my you know 
doctor's kit program and you're like you don't have programs my man like this isn't this isn't logged in and you'd have people who essentially feel that tension in those places where you know there was a time where one of the players was offered a gun and he held it and he was like i've never actually held a gun before and you know in the ethereum he's guns blazing shooting people all the time and this is like <laughs> you know a real it, it like i was trying to say it basically just provides that weight but mechanically there's not actually much difference you just suddenly shed away um you know like you you were talking about how um program creation is neat and the different skins like all that sheds away and suddenly you're like oh i can't choose what my items look like i bought it at the store so it's like, like it, it's like Superman the game, but just the Clark Kent stuff. Yes, yes, that's 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 a great way to put it. Except um, he's basically always affected by kryptonite as Clark Kent. No. Like he's just always in the weak and and so you you have to make these decisions. Like uh, you know, basically, do you want to go out and you know um, buy food, right? Um, which which costs you money. And I mean, you wouldn't play that out, but if you don't, you might role play out stealing food um and that's risky just because you know you're in a cyberpunk society you could get locked up forever and you know basically just become uh, even more of an indentured servant essentially nice any any questions from my co-host here josh or troy about you know kind of the overview anything we haven't really touched on that that you guys want to dive into before we we really you know do the hard-hitting digging deep questions that make these guys think um well i i think it's a little bit of mechanics i don't know if you guys could expand a little bit i think aaron you mentioned a little bit was actually the hacking because I, we've talked around it a little bit but i think because it is kind of core as you talked about that is kind of the way how you do how, how can you kind of do anything or try to do anything so maybe you guys one of you guys could uh sure expand sure. that a little bit yeah um hacking is magic right it's um it's the word we use for somebody applying their will and their knowledge to the ethereum so, um, like, if you're in the meat space, obviously hacking doesn't work because you're using those 12-sided dice. Um, and you're not you know, plugged in, so you can't do it. But in the Ethereum, um, if, you are, if you're a skilled hacker, you can really, you can basically create or destroy any program that you could normally have. Um, and you can do things that are even well beyond those, those limitations. I mean, you, can, you can literally try almost anything, and with the right number of successes, um, it'll, it'll happen. And um, it got more and more powerful as we went along. You know, you really—it's it, like playing somebody who who really is have who really does have a huge um, width, breadth, and depth of power. Um, but hacks are also very temporary, right? So the even though you're doing something really amazing for for a few seconds, um, it's not going to last. Eventually, that reality that's being pulsed out by the pylons um, in the Ethereum—it's um, going to reassert itself, and it's going to become more like what everybody expects it to be or what it's supposed to be. Um, but in a pinch, you know, um, you can make sweeping changes to reality, um, you know, cre summoning things, you know, objects out of nowhere, um, morphing and changing things, growing wings on yourself, whatever you need to do um, at the time um, if you have enough successes hacking. Um, and then different specs, like uh, Aaron talked about before, different specs, um, some of them are really good at hacking. Um, some of them, some of the knacks are really good at, at, at being, being a hacker. So you can, um, sort of focus on that if you want, you can write your character. Um, they might have less programs that way. They might have less, 
um, other reliable t- sorts of abilities, but um, you can focus on the hacking. And I think the hacking for me is the is my favorite part of the game. It's the it's the special sauce. I think it's the it's the good stuff. Yeah, if if uh, I sort of build off that a little bit, because um, I know that sometimes when you talk about those sort of potentialities in games, it can be a little intimidating as a GM. And so what this does is, as Paul said, the hacking can be very limited in time. But um, the underlying foundation mechanically of the game are these programs. So you have um, these AI called pylons that are essentially creating all these programs in a given area. A building, a tree, a dog, you know, somebody's shirt, whatever. You've got all these different programs. And hacking is changing programs, and all programs work basically the same. So when I build a gun, I'm taking a basic program, and then I'm modifying it. And similarly, when you hack, you're adding or removing modifiers to things or the core program. And you can do both at the same time. So if you were to need a gun, let's say you're going up against you know flying enemies and you don't have ranged weapons... You could create a gun on the fly, and you do that by hacking, and with the right successes, you can make a gun, and then you can add like a longer range to it, you could add a little bit extra damage to it, and everything like that, because it's all a very modular approach. So when you get people who are saying things like, I, I want to turn the floor into lava, or whatever, <laughs> you get things like that. And it's all handled with the same structure. So while the potentialities are really awesome and you get some really cool things, as Paul was saying, um, it's not actually that sort of mechanically crazy. You understand basically how everything works. You say, you know, I need a program. The more I want it to do, the more modifications I need. And the more of that stuff you need, the more successes you need. So if you wanted to create, you know, a tank, I'd probably say you need like six of these symbols to have a decent approximation of a tank. Well, that means you're going to need to roll more than six dice. That means you're going to need certain skills in hacking and so forth and so on. But if you said I wanted a pistol, well, that's a simple ranged weapon. That's only going to need one of the symbols. Um, And so you're able to modify these things on the fly because with a basic understanding of how programs work and the knowledge that everything in the world is in fact a program except the people themselves, essentially, you you can change anything. Um, And so it, it is a really fun part of it. And it's not as intimidating as it might sound. It's actually pretty basic once you understand the fundamental. Yeah, def- definitely. I've I've had a lot of fun with hacking. I'm one of those players that tries to to really push. I'm sorry, Paul. Um, and and there is risk though. Uh, you know, and and I think you know with with what you can do with hacking, when you fail uh, to get the success you need, you're under the 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 you know the check number, or you're beyond it, and you get too many. You're taking damage, which is a, a nice you know hedging of the bet so to speak for the the gm as well if your players aren't hacking well they're paying a price um so it's definitely a a fun mechanic uh that that stretches beyond the the core programs which are already i mean there's there's a ton of options for the different mods and the different programs so yeah don't want to sell that short i mean there's a significant 
portion of this book dedicated to programs and building them out and what you can do. Yeah, I love the creativity of the program construction. Um, and so, so having an IT background, I, I don't know, it kind of speaks to me. I think, Paul, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but um, it, it really seems like it was founded on some of those building blocks and some of those structures. Uh, I guess, is that was that a happy accident or... Did somebody kind of engineer that? No, it was... Well, I mean, the the minis game right. is sort of based on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I know just enough about coding and IT to be dangerous. Nice. Like, I don't know how to do anything myself, but I know enough about it that I can sound like I know what I'm doing. So it's most like that. It's, it's built, I think, for me, it came from logic more than mm-hmm. any specific knowledge of coding. So... Um, I mean, logic was my favorite college class that wasn't about writing or painting. Um, so I think that um, building programs, for me, it, it feels like a logical puzzle um, for them. And I tried to skin that as as something that sounds like it's for IT. And I remember some of the very early versions of the game, You you were we were in this basement playing it. And you said, like, oh, it feels like, you know, he really speaks to me as, like, an IT guy. And I'm like, oh, good, I, I faked it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it's, it's awesome because it feels like you're kind of, you know, adding those blocks together and building that code, right? Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it, I think it's great. So we, we mentioned the board game, I, I think, a few times. Um, you know, as developing the the role playing game, really after four ish, four to five years of of the board game, you know what what are some of the comparisons to the the miniature board game Ethereum, and and what are some of the things that you know are different that are new to the to the Ethereum role playing game, be it the the world, the way things work. You guys want to talk a little bit about that for people that um, are both familiar with the board game and and now seeing the role playing game. Um, kind of that cross-pollination. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would say for one point that of uh, comparison that the role-playing game is better. Take that, Will. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, they, they are very much designed together um, and, and hand-in-hand. So as with any type of thing, when you go to a different medium, there are going to be changes um, just because of necessity. So uh, if you look at the book, I think it's 256 pages, the, the book. Um, and a, a decent amount of that is dedicated to fluff. Um, and in that, you're, you need to explain things on sort of a deeper level than the miniatures game had to. You need to explain how certain things work just so people understand what's going on. So some of the role-playing game is taking away some of that mystery, for better or worse, uh, depending how you feel about the way it took away that mystery. Um, but um, the, the basic ideas are there. So in uh, the miniatures game, you can use ram as a resource to like spin around the schema and things like that that's essentially what hacking is in the uh role-playing game however uh it's very strange in a role-playing game to spin a city block so it doesn't (laughs) spinning doesn't come into it so much now it would be something you could do at a higher level so it is something that you could still potentially pull off um you know later game but for for your intro level characters that doesn't really happen um but you know if you look at the npcs in the book they come right out of the the miniatures game um and a lot of the program ideas and sort of how things function with um you know 
disruption uh, is is just sort of turned into glitch and things like that. And it was basically extrapolating out these ideas. Uh, the the collectives are all still there, so I think the parallels are all very clear, and the disconnects are out of need. Uh, Paul and I worked for, uh, I mean, I'm going to say too long on trying to make the custom dice work (laughs) for the miniatures game as the base system. And I I think we both really wanted it to, um, but it ended up being a little bit of a a barrier um, to to entry to the role-playing game. And so we moved moved away from that. Um, And so, you know, there are things like that that just sort of happen out of necessity to uh, be more understandable and appealing to role-playing gamers. Um, and also that just allowed us to focus complexity in the game in a different point. Um, but I, I truly feel like they are, are really harmonized. Every time that we're talking about something new now for you know the miniatures game, there are these moments where I might be like, but in the RPG, um, and those sorts of things. We want, to, we want to keep them in harmony and parallel. I think it goes back to one of the things you said at the beginning, Ty, with the factions, especially with the... Um, like when you play a minis game, I mean, most minis games I've played, what faction you are really, really matters, and that's what you're going to field as your as your battle group, right? Um, and in this game, you that I mean, you co- you could be part of a faction, but um, you're most likely going to be running with a group of people from mixed backgrounds, and they're not all going to be from the same faction. And even being from a faction doesn't mean as much, right? You know, for especially for low level characters. Um, as it does in the minis game because you are a person and you have much more freedom and in a minis game you're you're sort of you're a type you're not really even the characters that are named characters in those are still like very much of their faction and you are not limited by that in the role-playing game you can um, you can be a faction person you can be a non-faction person it doesn't matter yeah to give to give sort of a mechanical or balance perspective you would essentially be like a subroutine that is a single character right like from from that game you'd be like a subroutine that's a single character so you're not you're not at a function level that's even better than you are um and you're certainly not an avatar you're 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 below that um but you're not like a linked or whatever those the rules for linked and segmented things actually do exist in the rule book. It's just not really something player characters would do. Um, but yeah, so uh, that gives you an idea from from that perspective of where you might be. You're like a little bit better than a riot girl or something like that. <laughs> my my character has delusions of grandeur. He he may be a subroutine, but he thinks he's an avatar. So I mean that's <laughs> you know, that's, that's how he operates, and He'll we'll get continue to <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, so Josh, did you want to fact check the book pages? Yeah, I think I think you're you're close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I thought you had it right there. I thought you had it right there. Well, the, the last, the last like four pages aren't marked. Oh, so oh. you had to count. Fifty-two. We asked Josh to actually do math. That four, was the hard part. Five, six. Yeah, no, he's dead on. No, dead so on. Nailed it. I export. Yeah. I export the books for print, and when you go to print, they need to be multiples of four, and so that always helps me remember how many pages books I've worked on actually are. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. All right, so I, I started typing a bunch of notes about kind of. You know what was it like creating a game in a space that's very very crowded? I mean, there's so much role playing now, and role playing is such a popular thing. Which 
I never thought I would utter those words in my, my life as a gamer, <laughs> but we're in, a, we're in a place where, you know, there's, there's a lot of saturation. So if, if I'm a consumer and I'm, I'm looking at this and I think the setting is interesting, we've talked about some of these mechanics, but what do you really think are the, the key factors that if, if I'm a role-playing game gamer and I, I want something new, what is it about the Ethereum role-playing game that that occupies that this is this is why you should play it, or if you know what what is it that makes it stand out from so much other choice in in that arena? We're both pausing until the other one answers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are a variety of things that might make it stand out to individual types of people. Um, the game. I think is very approachable mechanically speaking. It's pretty easy for someone who's never played a role-playing game before to to play. I think that character creation choices, because of how many things you have, might get a little overwhelming for some people. Um, but for other people, it actually just helps them formulate their character. So it sort of depends how you look at that. Um, but the mechanics are, are very approachable and easy to get into, which I think is very important in this market. Um, the characters are very customizable. As we said, you can skin your programs in different ways to make them look how you want. You can build your programs. You can choose from different specs. You can take knacks or not take knacks. You've got all these different choices to really customize a character, which I think not only ensures that you know you don't feel like you're always playing an archetype, but also that um, you have the sort of flexibility to live into a concept. I feel like more and more role-playing games are looking at the story and the narrative drive and less and less at you know specific like combat mechanics and things like that. Um, and this game tries to sort of live into that while still providing the um, bandwidth for you know, players coming from the miniatures games or players who want uh, more of a focus on that combat. So the the whole game is set up to appeal to new people, mechanically speaking, um, and in terms of flexibility. I think that one of the things that's uh, a little bit challenging for people sometimes is the setting, because the setting is this sort of strange one, and yet everybody that I take a few minutes to explain it to really loves it and feels like it is a um, real selling point for the game because it's not it's not the matrix it's not ready player one it's not these other things it's its own thing with uh, a, a lot of a lot of reality and yet um, a lot of fantasy which allows the GM to choose a tone for the game you can really get a lot of tones out of it you can get a lot of different adventures and really sort of um, make it what they want it to be and I'll admit I haven't read that part because I've only been a player but I think in the book you guys have a good section on GM guidance I don't yeah. know, Paul if you can talk to that yeah there is um, and I think that the last bit that Aaron said too like being able to like run a game with a very different tone and run it very differently mm -hmm. And there's, like you said, there's guidance in the back. And, you know, I've run it for different groups. And, and one of my groups is very whimsical, very sort of like happy-go-lucky. We're going to play and see what happens and, and do things group. And it's it's not gritty at all, like the campaign that I'm running for them. And the book holds that. It, 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 can, it can accommodate that. But I, with my other group that I'm playing, it, I'm sort of doing two groups right now. And with the other group, it's 
very gritty you know it's dark it's scary um and and things happen in that world that wouldn't necessarily happen in the other one but the the game book um is the source for both of those different very different worlds and i think that that helps um i think another thing that really sort of sells this one this game um is is that it's a very modern design um the it in terms of the the history of role-playing games um it's it's in the this sort of current stage of, of role-playing games. I think that that's something that was um, not guaranteed right from the beginning, but I think that um, through the design process, it's a, it's a, it feels very modern. It feels very much like, um, you know, the, in the sort of post, uh, maybe the third generation, right, of, of role-playing games. <laughs> Is that where we are? I th- the I think, third age? I think we're in the third, the golden age, <laughs> the third great age of role-playing games. Awesome. Um any anything from Josh or Troy as far as before I start talking about you know future future state? You guys, you know, I think place? I think we yeah. hit all the good stuff. Cool. Yeah. So I know the the core book just came out at Origins in in yeah. June, um, but I've already finished reading it and I, I need more. <laughs> what uh, what can I expect on the horizon? What's what's coming down the the piper? Maybe you guys can't talk about stuff. Maybe it's like Brian said, do not talk about this. But, you know, Brian's not here. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you both for any any hints as to what's next. You know, gaming aids, DM screens, adventures, drive through RPG, supplemental type stuff. What, what's coming? I really don't know what we're supposed to be able to say on that. Um, I know I'm making <laughs> some adventures. Um, there are, there are going to be scenarios available through drive through RPG. Um and I know that there are a couple of other books in development. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I can say what they are, but they are awesome. Um, yeah. And I know um, Aaron's working on some other yeah, things. Yeah, so we do have player aids coming. Um, we've got a programs and character pack, which is for a GM aid that has some NPC stats and common programs. Um, that is mentioned in the book itself. So, you know, that's no spoiler for time. Um, so that's coming. Um, we do have a GM screen, uh, and that's just a matter of going into production with that. Um, as Paul said, we'll be doing some things on drive through RPG. Um, then in terms of, of sort of longer term physical book releases, um, I, I would say, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to nail us down to anything specific. Um, so there's that, but we do want to do adventures, and I will also say that I want to make sure the adventures include options. So if you encounter something in an adventure. Um, it'll probably have rules. So, you know, an adventure book would have new programs and, and things of that nature. Um, and the idea there being that, um, you know, instead of uh, focusing too much on splat books, you can get expansions for the game that also come with story. Um, that isn't to say there wouldn't be splat books, there wouldn't be pure adventures, but um, we're, we're definitely looking that way. Because, you know, I just like looking at 5th edition and the way they said, like, okay, we're going to cut down on the number of books and make sure each of them is really good. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and I'm hoping we can go in that direction. And it's just a matter of 
of how we play that out. So yeah, without committing to anything. Um, and I'll also say we are, you know, a small team. Um, so we don't have the resources to pump out a, a ton of stuff. So we want to make sure what we're doing is um, not only exactly what we want, but also uh, the quality we hope for. Awesome. So um, where can I buy this game? Uh, I know I, I was lucky enough to be at Origins where the, the street release was, if you were, but if I wanted to go out and, and get Ethereum, um, where where could I buy the role-playing game or you know the board game, any anything for that matter? Yeah, so um, local game stores have it, um, some of them anyway. Uh, so essentially, your local game store can order it from Anvilate Games. They can they can make an account and order the game that way. Um, if they use Golden Distribution, you can ask them that. We're in Golden. They can get it that way. Um, or you can buy it online. Those are the three main ways. That said, if you're coming to Gen Con, find us there. And and come buy it. Paul's running some games. Um, I'm running. I think I think Ty, you might have might be running one. I've I've been roped into to running one. If Brian needs me, I'm also playing in one, and that goes into the next question. I, I knew Paul's one of Paul's <laughs> slots had a opening, so just to make his life more difficult, I bought that final spot um, because I my you know my personal glitch <laughs> record I think is 24 glitch in a session. So I'm gonna see if I can beat that. Um, and encourage other players to make poor choices. But uh, what what is you know what do you guys have planned for Gen Con? So you know running some of the sessions of the role playing game. You know tell us about the booth. I don't know if you have your booth number handy or ready, but tell us a little bit about what we can find at um, at Gen Con for Anvil Eight. I don't know the booth number um, off the top of my head. I'm sure Brian has it. Um, but at the booth, I'll talk about the booth um, and the Ethereum miniatures game stuff a little bit. And then, Paul, if you want to jump in on the RPG. Um, but uh, we have a booth. Yay. Um, and <laughs> as, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's basically, if you've been with us other years, uh, we're going to be demoing the same sort of things. But we'll also have the RPG there to talk about. So if you hear this episode, and why wouldn't you, frankly? Mm. Um, but if you do, <laughs> um, and, you, and you have questions, because I mean, we have all some familiarity with the game. Um, and and some playtesting and everything like that. So like if you keep if you heard the word glitch repeatedly, I know we haven't explained it. Uh, come by and ask us about it, and and we'll be happy to lay it out for you there. Um, so so come by the booth. We'll be there doing demos, talking about games, um, and selling games, which is always a nice thing. Um, but yeah, learn about this game. Learn about the the miniatures game, anything like that, and and see what appeals to you. Uh, I think we probably have something that that you'd like. Uh, so. So stop on by there. Um, we are running numerous events for the miniatures game. Um, so I'm not sure the exact number we have running, but I know they were really filling up. Uh, we've got more players than ever before for the miniatures game. Um, we're releasing the uh, Wardens. Uh, so there's a new collective. We had some stuff available at Adepticon. We're going to have more stuff available at Gen Con. So it's a great time to jump into the game. Like I said, it's growing. Um, you know, that's, that's the trajectory you want for any miniatures game you might be interested in getting involved in. One that is getting bigger. And it definitely is. And every year, the new collectives that the guys work up um, are, are really 
they're really something. Uh, they they do new things and they do them in interesting ways. Um, so so hats off to them. Um, and also, you know, just uh, I feel like I need to add because of Will and his ego. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really the play testing that other people did that got it to the great place. Um, but uh, anyway, um, it's. It's yeah, it's a really special time to get in that game. So I definitely encourage you to sign up for the events. We have people there that can help you if you're not that comfortable with the game and really get into it. So uh, don't don't worry about that. Just come by, learn about the game and everything like that. The, the miniatures game um, is really something special. It's it's different in so many ways that you know that's that's a whole different podcast though. <laughs> and and Anvilate Games booth fifteen twenty at Gen Con. Ooh, fifteen twenty. Excellent. I'm excited to come step. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to step on that soft uh, floor matting that gets put down when I need it. Is nice when my heels need a little break and and maybe you know buy something that I don't have. Yeah, it's a very soft wood. Yeah, (laughs) the softest, the softest of woods. And rumor has it, Will will be um, providing shaggy dog stories for anyone upon request at booth fifteen twenty. So he's got some good ones about horses that learn how to play guitars. I highly recommend taking 15 minutes out of your Gen Con day very to good, yeah. hear, hear from Will. But, um, Paul, how about you talk a little bit about the role-playing game events uh, for Gen Con this year? Yeah. Um, so we're running four a day, um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we've got a, a, very, a, a varied cast of, of characters running those games. I'm running some. Aaron's running some. I hear that weird guy named Ty might be running some. I don't know what you guys <laughs> I think Mason's uh, running some. Um and I, you know, I've been going to Gen Con since it was in Milwaukee, and I think that, um, you know, if even if it's full, show up, mm-hmm. and um, we'll fit you around the table, or somebody mm-hmm. won't have shown up, and you can have their spot. Um, the more people we get playing this, the more excited um, I get, just watching what new people come up with, and I think running this at Adapticon, for example, was just a blast, because people, especially people with fresh eyes on this game, um, really are... are being really creative with it and i love to see that so um i think that uh and i know that there that aaron has um a scenario that he's going to be running like a specific one i'm doing um the three o'clock ones are going to be um me and i'm doing a character creation thing and then a short scenario so people can show up with no knowledge whatsoever and um make characters build characters with me um fill out characters and um then have their first adventure very cool. I'm uh, I'm running one. I am playing in one, and I'm hoping to uh, to set a new glitch record. I, I'm gonna <laughs> reiterate that. So be be sure to stop by booth fifteen twenty. Talk to the the guys at Anvil Eight. Demo Frontline No Comrades. Demo Ethereum, the miniature game. Talk about the role playing game, um, and and get to meet them there. They're a great group. Where um, I don't think we've mentioned it yes yet, but. As far as social media or web presence, where where can people find Anvil Eight um, out there in the the worldwide web or real life? www.anvil-theword8.com. Excellent. Or can... um, but if you just search for Anvil Eight, it'll also come up mm-hmm. that way. And we've got Twitter and Facebook and you know the usual suspects. Excellent. I'm excited. I'm going to follow you on on Twitter. <laughs> and like him on Facebook. And like you on Facebook. <laughs> and I'll download your podcast if if that ever gets out there as well. 
Um, yeah, I've done some recording for it. I've done some ooh, recording for it. it. It should happen. Mm, I'm excited it's now. It's just, you know, you guys know, podcasts take time, and there's also games to be made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not even the, making the, games, and I struggle with making right. a podcast. Yeah, a constant balance. <laughs> um, uh, but before we, we wrap up, is there anything either of you want to add about the game, Envelate, role-playing game, special messages, anything at all? Uh, we'll start with Aaron and then hand it off to Paul. Any Any final word statements? Yeah, uh, I definitely suggest giving it a try. There's essentially two adventures in the core book, so uh, you can you can just give those a whirl um, to get you started and see how you feel it out. Um, you know, play a couple sessions, and then you can tailor the world a little bit uh, to that. I, I do think that there's you know something for anyone as long as you're you know happy with sci-fi to some extent. I mean, it's a special sort of sci-fi, but sci-fi. <laughs> Not fantasy is really what I'm trying to say. And Paul, any final final thoughts, statements, words, wow. encouragement, questions? Honestly, I think that um, the more people who play it, the better, but I think that the, coming at this game with creativity is um, so cool and so much fun that um, I just want to share it now. I just want people to pick up the book and play it or come and play it at a at a convention and just just check it out wonderful well we'd all like to thank you both for for joining us um talking about the game very excited to to hang out at at gen con um spend some time at the booth maybe even i'll throw on a shirt and pretend i work for the company just to you know (laughs) go shirtless it's fine (laughs) (laughs) oxen bears all oxen bears all that's right but uh aaron paul thank you both very much um we certainly appreciate you guys taking the time tonight to join us and we we even even more so appreciate the the work going into the game because we've we've loved playing it looking forward to to more sessions yep thank you guys we'll see you at gen con awesome thank you And we are back, Rage of Sigmar style. Here we are, Player Slate <laughs> review of Gen Con. No, we're not. It's just a preview. <laughs> oh. We're not reviewing Gen Con. <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> All right, let's go around the horn. Player Slate. All right, Player Slate. Gen oh, Con fifty two. Everyone has overcrowded, a overcosted. Do you have poor a availability? Do you have a ticket? Sadly, yes. Then you got you. You bought it. You, yeah, you you're playing it. it. I can still slay it if I buy it. No, you, you know can't. how many games I no, bought that go? I slay? No, you're, you're, you're no, still there. no, I'm not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right here, you heard it. You heard it first. All right. Gen Con. So we'd be doing a disservice to gamers everywhere if we didn't talk about the world's, not the world's, the it, country's largest game I, fair. I think we can argue it's world. I know there's something that goes between Essen. You think so? Oh, you've actually been, so away. you can talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Essen's. Um, Essen isn't gaming like ticketed events, but as far as spectacle and, and like companies and, and pure um, presence, Essen is is larger than Gen Con. Um, no no events though, so very different. Mm-hmm. But all commercial. But Gen Con is certainly our country's largest uh, game convention. North America's largest. It's the best the, four days in gaming. Best four days in gaming. It's debatable. Adepticon is. I know, right? I don't want to argue. Yeah, I don't want to argue. Um, Um, All right. So, 
Rather than talking about how Gen Con is terrible and awful and no fun, we are going to talk about all of these positive attributes <laughs> and things we're looking forward to Yay! at Gen Con. You know, um, so I thought, first and foremost, for our Play It or Slay at Gen Con edition, um, we should talk about the plans. Yeah. You know, what, yeah. what are some things that we are all going to look forward to uh, experiencing or, or doing at Gen Con? Um, and since we have a guest on the show, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let our friend Paul talk about it because Paul, you are doing a very um, a very different Gen Con to what you have done historically. Yeah. So I want to I want to hear your take on uh, on on what your plans are for this Gen Con. Yeah, it's um it's very different this year. I think my brothers and I used to go just the brothers and get a suite and drink a lot and stay up late and play all the games, um like you do. Uh, this year, I'm taking the family for the first time. I'm taking um, Jen, my wife, and Will and Griffin, my kids, and we're going to do Gen Con family style. Right? We're going to build some foam swords. We're going to beat each other with those. We're going to do all the all the family stuff. Will's going to be um, dressed up um, and uh, walk in the parade and stuff. and Doing the cosplay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be Marceline from Adventure Time. Nice. So, it's um, it's going to be pretty cool. And, um, you know, it's the first time I'll be here with my family. I've been with Jen um, back when it was in Milwaukee. Okay. You know, uh, okay. But um, not since then. She hasn't been to Indianapolis with us. So I'm excited. Very cool. Um, I, you know, we, we often talk about convention experience from a, a gamer standpoint, an individual going, hanging out with their friends. But Gen Con has done a, a really good job especially in probably the last 10 years mm-hmm. of, of incorporating a lot of those family activities, different, different mm-hmm. activities for, um, for y- younger kids, mm-hmm. um, different side, like yeah, they call them the spa events. And well, the, the, like the sp- or maybe well, the, spa you know, is really is like your non gamer, right? Spa was, but they've done a very good job of <laughs> right. building an inclusive, like family, um, activity plan, like yep. different game events, yeah. different things mm-hmm. to check out. It's become more of like an experience versus Gen Con of old, really, mm-hmm. to me, was Vendor Hall and then a bunch of gaming events. Mm-hmm. And now there's mm-hmm. there's just more to do. The yep. the um, the foam weapon arena, the yeah. the cosplay parades and shows and mm-hmm. different seminars. So, But uh, a lot of family stuff. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in, in your experience because, you know, eventually as, as Landing gets older, you know, Nicole's interested in might be something I, I think about um, in in, uh, in the the somewhat distant future. Yeah, because um, I, I think it's it's strange to find that age where like kids are are ready for yeah. Gen Con. Mm-hmm. I would need Tom to come with to like be on landing duty. I'd be like Tom, take landing, <laughs> just let him look at stuff. Go play Hero Clicks or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Buy one of the big. I'll, I'll play Hero Swords. Clicks. Heroclix? Really? I love Heroclix. Can we tangent real quick to Heroclix? Heroclix is awesome. You know what's terrible about Heroclix? Nothing. All the symbols are color-based for what they do. And when you're colorblind and you can't tell, it's the worst game in the world. There's no understanding. Now they have it on cards, and it's easier. I'm colorblind. Be quiet back there, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Colorblind brother of mine. I played Heroclix when it very, very first came out at Gen Con. And I remember it, it really changed for me minis games because it was not measuring. Yeah. Um, it, I was so happy that there was a there was a grid 
and that really is what got me into minis gaming for the first time was um like i wanted to play mage knight right because that was also the sort of entry yep. level thing mm-hmm. but um yeah to measure and i just loved hero clicks for that reason and the kids my i, I have an 11 year old who mm. can grasp hero clicks in a way that i don't think he could grasp if he had to measure with a tape you know, you know what is cool though. Warcry is a lot of four inch, <laughs> five inch movement with a single roll and resulting. <laughs> and, War, and Warcry will probably be demoed at Gen Con. Yes, GW has does have a pretty big presence there. This, in the this last is couple like the years. year where they showed Underworlds. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think Warcry is going to be that. I'm, I am. Okay, I'm coming. Yep. That's that's all I care about is Warcry. Awesome. Yeah, because they, I mean, just they had Kill Team as that and, was their and, big thing. So and I hope cool. Cubicle Seven has some AOS RPG stuff. Mm, um, that'll be interesting. They yeah. had put up events uh, and then scaled it back and said, "No, we're not doing AOS RPG stuff." But they mm. put them out there and then they pulled them off. So mm. I don't know what that means. They can come and play the Ethereum RPG. Right. Yeah, 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 play Ethereum instead. All right. <laughs> plans i'm sorry i saw oh my god that was the worst derail of a conversation topic ever josh what are your plans for gen con well i was playing at brew city brawl when were you tickets uh came out can you remind me what you were playing uh flesh eater courts didn't we just filth 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 didn't we just talk about the worst tangent ever yeah, I feel like I feel like we're headed down that track to, uh, to try and beat that record. Josh, yep, yep. I'm just I'm gonna lean back and let you guys talk, Jim. So I uh, did not get any tickets for anything. Uh, so I'm relying on my friends for tickets, aka Troy and Ty. Um, so yeah, no, you guys are my plans. To I think I'm I'm stealing some things from Troy, and I think Ty, you got me something. Uh, yeah, Icarus. The coolest. The coolest. Something. And the designer. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So th- those are my plans. So I, it's my, I'm picking up Icarus, I think, at Gen Con. That's one of my um, pick out my list of games I need to go buy. Um, Icarus is one of them. Uh, I have a bunch. I did get lucky because I, at Brew City, I did have on my alarm set to like, hey, I need to have this. And we, luckily, my game was done. And so I'm like, and I lucked out. Um, so I am going to play in the Altered Carbon RPG, which I don't think is even out yet, um, from Hunter's Entertainment. Um, and then I got an Outbreak Undead, because you always have to play Outbreak Undead at Gen Con. At least that's kind of been the MO for the last six years. How long has Outbreak Undead been out? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, as long as that game's been out, we've been playing it at Gen Con. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about the only time we do play it, but we play it there. It's such a good game. It is um, good. And I have extra tickets for those, so maybe Josh... I, Hey. You might be able to join me Sweet. in Thanks. some of that. And then I did get into like a retro RPG of Millennium's End, if anybody's any familiar with that. So Millennium's End takes place that, in... That sounds like an old guy RPG. It, it, it takes place in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And, and, I was telling Paul, like I played, we used to play that when 1999 was in the future. You actually played, you were playing, you were trying to play looking ahead, like, oh, what's going to happen at the end of the millennium? Uh, and now it's funny because now it's 20 years in the past. Um, <laughs> but I think what's going to be, it, I think it'll be blasted. And the idea is you are modern day, you're whatever. I guess you're mercenaries in 1999. I wanted to say modern day. That's not true. You're mercenaries in 1999. The wor- it'll be interesting to see like the world is a little different or it was at the time like that universe was what what happened in the to be, kind of create a little bit of instability so 
So is everybody wearing Zubas? Then? Yeah, everyone wears Zubas. Uh-huh. Um, and then, and basically, you still have Middle Eastern terrorists as kind of usually the bad guy uh-huh. all whoa, the time. Whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> what? That's still that's that's the bad guy. Oh, okay. um, it's the generic, right? Um, and uh, and what's funny is there's no cell phones, so you oh, like yeah. it's it actually Eight it's pagers? cool. Uh, right, you paid. You have like whatever you would have had in 1999. I had a pager in 1999. Right, so what's cool is actually, I think it actually gives you more options in like a modern day role playing setting because I think if you do like modern day, modern day, like everybody can communicate instantaneously, which is terrible for trying to write a plot. Right, I don't know what. Um, but so I'm excited to play Millennium Zen for the first time in since 1995 or something like that when we used to do it. So I did 94 Ford Ranger in in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, red. Do you, do you remember when we rode, <laughs> rode around in the back of your Ranger trying to pull a sled with a tow rope? Yeah, through, yep. through the neighborhoods. It's great. <laughs> The ranger's back too. Sorry, I'm really going down. We want to go down this tangent. Are, like yeah. the the ranger truck is back now. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. So just I'm to check it out. It's, it's a good truck. Um. So well, and then on Thursday, I'm actually doing an airbrush class with CK Studios. Um, oh. So I'm yeah. going to spend nice. uh, a chunk of my Thursday. Um, doing actually, it's it's morning, so I'm actually I don't feel like I'm like wasting my Gen Con. I think it's a cool opportunity, and then. Um, and to get to do a CK Studios class, and it's a, like a chunk, like a six-hour class. So I'm mean, like, wow. I'm gonna get my money's worth out of that. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna lurk. I'm gonna hang out over your shoulder yeah. and learn how to airbrush. Two things yeah. I wanted to mention. Um, Two, three, three. three. Uh, number one, check out the Anvil Eight booth. Yeah, fifteen twenty. Fifteen twenty. They got a lot, a lot of cool stuff there. Dig it. Uh, number two, Elena Danner uh, is in the Artist Alley. Uh, she did the Gen Con event book cover. The program cover. Big Looks deal. awesome. And she has limited prints of it for sale. So uh, if you want one of those, it's a really cool design. It's really cool artwork. So check it out. She's also uh, going to have this awesome forest uh, land card that she did recently. Mm-hmm. That was inspired by... A forest in Japan that looks amazing with like this river winding through it. It's absolutely the greatest piece I've seen of hers yet. I'm awesome. so stoked to pick that up. Awesome. Uh, number nine, table number nine in the artist alley. Perfect. Um, Correct the, me if I'm drunk wrong. No, I think you're right. I think you're but, absolutely dead on. Um, Brotherwise Games, uh, booth 237. So the guys that did Call to Adventure. Uh, is going to be demoing their uh, the name of the wind uh, expansion. So that was the game. I mean, a game we reviewed a few a couple episodes ago. Yeah, three or four episodes ago. It's pretty good storytelling game. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I'm interested to see um, with. Uh, I'm interested in the art. Yeah, because I get the story. I get the the elements of a hero's journey. <laughs> I know Paul. Paul has some very strong feelings on name of the wind and quoth. Which do you want to elaborate? Heroes, mm. the hero. I'm I'm excited. This this is a tangent worth worth pursuing. Yeah, all right. I, I've yeah. never heard this. I I've actually like never this, heard this. I feel like I'm walking into a trap right now. You but sure? no, no trap. Just, we can uh, we can turn off Ty's mic at any point. So <laughs> it's a great book. Um, but I like it when my heroes have flaws um, mm. and aren't the best at everything. Mm. It feels like you know. It, it's sort of like I'm the one man member of a D and D party. And I could do the whole thing myself, and I need nobody and nothing. And 
I could say other stuff about, <laughs> but, but about we don't. So I'll, I'll, I'll other just, things. I, I, but I, I won't. I, I actually agree with you. I agree with you, Paul. But I want, I'll be the devil's advocate, or I'll argue the other point. Sure. I think we don't. We don't know how Quoth gets to where he is. Right. Right. There's got it. Like in the end, he's failed. Like we know as yeah. the framing story, we know he's failed. Right. Even though as in his as he retells again, and he also he's retelling the story. So he's uh, what do you call it? He's not a. Um, He's uh, cherry picking. He's, he's the not best trustworthy. He's not a trustworthy narrator. Yeah, he's right? an un- yeah, he's yeah, an unreliable narrator. narrator. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, the question is: Are, are you really is he hearing a second person story? though? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> a callback. War cry. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So, but I hear you, Paul. I hear yeah. you. That is, in, and I, yeah, we, I, yeah, people. And I think you have that feeling. Right? I, I think that the other thing with it is it's sort of problematic with how it deals with female characters. As well, oh, yeah, yeah. Especially but, the second book, yeah, I would yeah. say, yeah. Well, so, even the first. You're right. Yeah, I'll so give you. I'll give you a lot of that. Yep. One of those two is enough for me to usually put down a book. Yep. I, it was still so good, though, that I, I did actually. I mean, I've read through both of them, so you know that means that even with those flaws, I still will read it. Like Rothfuss is, he's he's just. I I know I need to sit forward, Troy. You don't have to, Dad. Don't Dad me. My recording posture. That is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, his his uh his ability to to just set the scene like he's he's so his imagery like everything his writing style is just so engaging mm-hmm. that you know, yeah there there are parts of it that feel you know like the whole Dennis story and then uh, like um Philorian being just a, a set piece mm-hmm. versus a, an influence there's there's that aspect um and, and I get it I can't I can't wait though it's one of those I'm more excited for doors of stone than i am for the conclusion the game of thrones um mm-hmm. as far as if i look at the two things that i want to happen mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. it's i want doors of stone before mm-hmm. everything or not even before mm-hmm. but like that's the one i want yeah, to see what, mm-hmm. to wrap up to see what happens so anyways uh brotherwise <laughs> game <laughs> booth 237 name, name of the wind expansion but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see that yeah. ip in a yeah, game yeah, I, yeah, sure. just just you know that the call adventure was sort of fun you know yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see that added yeah. to the game yeah and it might be Absolutely. more fun with the name of the wind right. adventure so right and yeah. I, like, I like that that was not a that was a no, good that was a good tangent that yeah, was not yeah, our yeah. yeah so that other one yeah. is still the worst tangent i'm telling you guys this, this format I, I tried to pull it back on the rails i really the, did this this format of fourth chair plus drunk off the rails tie and Tom sitting in the hall. And Tom, Tom being the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. This has legs. We mm-hmm. we could make this. And Tom's got legs too. Look at those things. <laughs> we can make this a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what am I excited for, Gen Con? Yeah. What are you excited yeah, for? Yeah. What are you excited for? Other than work right now. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Somebody put me put me off the mic. Just end me. I think they did. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Ethereum RPG, uh, but you know, hanging out with the the group of, of people we know, yeah. um, seeing seeing who's there, the patio at Cladog, the um, you know the food trucks, playing board games with with Barry and Matt till the sun comes up in some hotel lobby at some godforsaken time. This is the year. This is the year we play Food Chain Magnet. It's happening. A six hour Euro game. It's happening. But other than that, um, there are some cool events going on around Gen Con at theaters and different things. Oh. Somebody put a note in here about Critical Role. 
Critical, yeah, Critical Role is doing live event on Friday night, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll check it out. It's like sold out forever. Like, yeah, and tickets went on sale in March. Any guesses? I, I put it in the show <laughs> notes, which is easy, but VIP. Which lets you in early for a forty-five minute Q and A, and you get a signed like picture. Mm-hmm. Any, I'm gonna ask Paul because I don't think he saw it. Would you guess people are paying for VIP tickets for a forty-five minute Q and A before a Critical Role live play mm-hmm. on a stage at a theater in in Indy? Hundred bucks. Hundred? No, no. Hundred gets you in the basic ticket. That was the base price. Hundred is like the it. get in the door. Yeah. Hundred dollars and wow. seventy dollars. The, the yep. like yep. price breaks. Three hundred dollars. And two hundred fifty dollars are the VIP tickets to get in the door for Critical Role. But they sold out. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. And that's why they raised twelve million dollars for an animated show. Mm -hmm. Critical Role. Um, So it's funny. I'm still like hovering, um, and because you say that, but I'm still hovering StubHub and forums to see if anybody. I'm figuring like a week or two out, some tickets are going to show up, and something's in by day of. Check with the theater because they'll yeah. release anything that's on on yeah, hold for could like be people some, up front. Right. So I may like it'd be worth it. Like if I could get in and somewhere in whatever, I, I have a certain price range. But if I, <laughs> if I get in, I think I might try. It would be fun just to say, "Hey, I went and, and saw it." So um, the uh, the other thing, Roll Twenty is doing some seminars. Very cool. Um, one is on character sheet creation for like your own games and your own stuff. Always cool. interesting. Um, there's some other like DM ones that are really cool with that Adam Coble and some of the guys that do the the streaming content. Show some of the doing, advanced features and stuff. Um, so I might try to check out one of those. Cool. But otherwise, Gen yeah. Con, it's here. It's soon. Gen Con, and, and if you want to like tips on navigating Indianapolis and Gen Con, go listen to our episode like either last A year, year or whatever year ago or two years ago. We have con, some good, con tips. It hasn't like indie hasn't changed that drastically. Um, around how do you know it? Because in the end, there's sixty thousand people there. It, there are logistics, whatever. It's funny you'll hear. We always say the same thing. You'll hear a lot of people complain after the fact or whatever. I don't know. We figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I have fun. Like I can. I, some reason I can sit down anywhere and I can get a meal. Yeah. Um, I don't. So there should be no reason why you are struggling. Um, like and if you really we, want us, you know, hit us up. I can. We we you, tend not to wait for more than a half an hour at a yeah, place. Right. To eat, I mean, there's so. plenty of there's plenty of places to find, especially if you what walk further like away. And so, right. And the uh, the you know. and the last thing I'll say about Gen Con before I ask if you guys have anything is, if you're going and you listen, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We we will be there. Most most Gen Cons we spend a fair bit of one of the nights hanging out with the Anvil Lake uh, Games crew. On a patio, drinking a lot of beer, having food, just hanging out, and people randomly drop in. Um, so let let us know via Twitter, Facebook, whatever, um, and we will certainly let you know what we're getting into and, and where we're at in Indy for those four days. Definitely. Yep. Any last Gen Con thoughts? It'll be fun. It's a blast. It always right. is. Uh, Josh, are you going to play it or slay it, Gen Con? Uh, I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it. Okay, Troy, play it or slay it? I am playing it. Paul, are you going to play Gen Con or slay Gen Con? I'm playing it. You guys suck. Slay that. Slay that show. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for episode number 35. 35. Frank Thomas played for the White Sox first baseman. He sure did. 
he was really good um, until a foot injury side sidetracked his career. But uh, so anyway, <laughs> this Josh is, will let it that out too. This, I think this is this is what you get when you I let me. This is this is the segue segue tour. This will be episode thirty five. The segue, yeah, yeah. yeah. the segue and tangent. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, so next weekend, though, before Gen Con is Midwest Meltdown. Domus, um, just a, a treasure of a human being. I can't wait to give him a huge hug when I see him on on Friday morning. Um, 120 player. I think it's 116 right now. Mm-hmm. There are four sports, four spots open. If anyone wants to travel to Bloomington, um, yeah, nice. there are three people in this room that could could come and play. Uh, using missions from GHB 18 and 19, five rounds, Age of Sigmar, awesome, good people, grudge matches first round. I'm coming for you, Mr. Meth. Uh, and we're going to drink a growler in our first game. And then, um, you know, it's just fun. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. So Wisco Kings are going to win all the hobby awards. And then the next week, uh, we're going to leave for Gen Con. We'll be there Wednesday night through Sunday afternoon at some point. Uh, all sorts of events there. We've got NashCon at the end of August. I don't think anyone's joining me. I'm sad about this, but um, I'm going to go hang out with our um, Nashville friends. Uh, Bryce and I are headed down. Brendan, the Ramchecks, a lot of guys from the local Milwaukee scene. Um, I'm not sure. I think that's up around 50 uh, ish players. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be streaming on Twitch. Jacob Berry will be commentating. So. Whenever I get a chance, I'm going to get Jacob so, drunk and hang out with him. So we can the, watch. So even if we're not going, we could sit here and watch and heckle you. He's going to be auctioning off uh, those underwear as well. Yeah. Even his, though he's not playing. His streaming underwear. His streaming underwear, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to probably you know um, see how many Tamaras me and him can drink. And uh, for that one, I don't know if Fletch listens, but Fletch, I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to drink you under the table. Then in October, we're going to go to Dragonfall. Dragonfall, it's the week the end of October, the kind of the week before Halloween, whatever that is. I'm trying to actually look at a date. So the the AOS event is a two day tournament. Zach Kishetta, uh, he he was one of Brendan's ATC um, uh, teammates. Runs the AOS event, um, Dragonfall Gamehole Con over Halloween weekend, uh, Thursday through Sunday is really cool to see the press Gameholes getting. Yep. So that's um, yeah November. Halloween, so 31st through November 4th, I think. is the, or November 3rd. They're doing a yeah. trick-or-treat event for kids, so you can show up with your kids and, and trick-or-treat on Halloween uh, throughout the, the convention space. The different vendors and different places will have candy and, and other goodies. Um, I'm going to try to do a Thursday-Friday game hole because then Holy Havoc yeah, is the, the same, same weekend. weekend. Yep. And Bryce and I are going to go down to Herner's uh, event and... Um, you know, try to try to have a good time, which is is a given at Holy Havoc that Saturday and Sunday down in uh, the Chicago area. So con season is upon us. It's it's busy. It's exciting. Lots going on. Um, and definitely hit us up. Let us know where you are going to be and what kind of fun you're having and what events you're planning. Um, but for now, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Paul, thank you for joining us. It was awesome. I uh, I apologize for my, my rambling state during this episode. We'll have you on again when I'm less rambling and Josh can ramble. And and, uh, and we also thank Aaron for joining and, us. And for Troy, being... you're doing a great job. You want to just take us home? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just uh, making sure that you're hitting the points. You know, yeah. just a little, I'm like the little, little whatever. I'm uh, no, the little Paul, bracers. Yeah, I appreciate it. Paul, Paul and Aaron, thank you both. It was, it was a lot of fun. Will, no thank you to you. Uh, 
<laughs> and, and Brian, hopefully see you at Gen Con. Uh, hopefully we um, covered everything you scripted us to say, Brian, about Anvil 8 Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and listeners, um, thank you guys for hanging in there, guys and gals. We're on iTunes. Leave us a review there. Um, five stars or nothing. Uh, we, we accept only five-star reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. We'll even read them. Yeah, man. Other people do that, so maybe that's something we should do if we get read a five them on star. Read yeah, them off. sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll read them all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Plan and Slain. We've got a Facebook page that barely gets updated. Sometimes we put messages up. Twitter. It was, just, it was updated this week. Oh, yeah. was it? Twitter yeah. at Plan and Slain Show. Um, oftentimes we like or retweet things or talk about when we record and a new episode drops. All of our emails. We're on basementofdeath.com. Ty, Josh, Troy, info, and intern. I miss our intern. We need to get him back on mm. at basementofdeath.com. Boom. Awesome. Great show. War cry. Keep the dice rolling. <laughs> the drinks on ice. And no matter what, keep playing and slaying while you play War cry. kind of stuff is this yes game whoa whoa all right so you are live testing our new audio equipment uh what do i do with my hands (laughs) (laughs) so this this won't this won't make it on the air this is just uh we're just testing we don't we don't know that it could be okay yeah it could maybe b-roll who knows dr gabe has to sign a release yeah Oh, good luck with that. The, uh, <laughs> what do I do with my hands? That's great. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are, Josh, are we actually recording? We, um, do we, yeah, are yep. we flashing or solid? We're solid. It's, it's, we're solid. All right. Uh-oh. So the red light's on the studio? Yep. Yep. We actually do so have a it, red light. How have res- you guys recorded um, call-in guests before? Uh, shittily. Shittily? Is that a word? Shittily, Not yes. Not well, yeah. Shittily.